2: Funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny
1: about me? Tell me. Tell me what's fun. Get together, have a few laughs. Fool you!
0: As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked?
1: I'm so wasted. Anybody move, I'll blow your fucking
2: head off. And the medic gets out and says, oh my God. I'm your huckleberry.
1: My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Well, then this calls for the old Billy Barou. That's a huge bitch. The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? It's over, Johnny. It's over!
0: All right. It is Friday night here, and probably everywhere you're listening. And it is Boxman. Right now, that's it. Just me. Anthony will be calling in soon, but I figured I'd go ahead and jump on the air and start. Uh, Real quick, don't forget, you can always find us on iTunes at THT Movie Review, Facebook.com slash THT Movie Review, and on YouTube and Twitter, just searched out THT Movie Review. So, uh, real quick, someone's saying they don't hear anything. Anything from us. Looks like everybody else here. Something Shaheen got it working now. Okay. There we go. Sorry about that, bro. But anyway, uh, I am here, and I am going to start talking about uh, 1993 movie Judgment Night. Uh, This movie was starring Emilio Estevez, uh, an early movie for Cuba Gooding Jr., this may have been one of Dennis Leary's first movies. Uh, Steven Dorff, who you may remember from a little movie called Blade. Jeremy Piven, who obviously has been on WWE a couple times, and he was in PCU. Peter Green, who you may remember from The Mask with Jim Carrey. He was uh, Dorian, I believe, was his name in that movie. So, there's a few things there. Now, Earlier, if you were listening while I was playing the uh, soundtrack, which this movie has an amazing soundtrack. If you've never heard it, listened to it, find it, pick it up. It is an amazing soundtrack. It kind of uh, started that uh, metal rap sort of... uh, thing going on there. After that, a lot of bands were doing it. Bands had done it before this. Anthrax and uh, Run DMC and Aerosmith and Run DMC had done some songs together. So, But uh, not bad at all. Not What a great soundtrack. Now, if you were listening before, I was playing the soundtrack, and I threw in a few uh, House of Pain songs, also some Everlast songs. There was a reason for that. Eric Schrody is in this movie, who is actually the singer of House of Pain and Everlast. So he is actually in this movie, and that is why I decided to throw in a few of his songs, too. So, there you go. I have explained myself and why I threw in some House of Pain there. But uh, this movie, there's not not a real whole lot to this movie, Um, basically it's a few friends Uh, Jeremy Pivens, Emilio Estevez Cuba Gooding Jr. and Stephen Dorff Stephen Dorff is actually Emilio Estevez's brother in this Uh, so him, Stephen Dorff go ahead hold on I got Anthony calling here give me one second Anthony is on Anthony
1: Hey, how's
2: Not it going, Not bad.
0: You got me? Yep. Can
2: you anything?
0: I got you, man. I oh. got you. Uh, give me one sec here. Let me make sure you can still hear me. You can still hear me, right? All right, clear. Perfect. And we got everything working correctly here. All right, so, yeah, I was just kind of getting into it, basically, um... I explained a little bit about the soundtrack already. I decided to go ahead and start since we had some people in the old chat room there. Mixer.com slash THD podcast. Yep. So I decided to jump on and start. Basically, I just got into the movie. Um, four guys go ahead and uh, they're on their way to a boxing match. I'm not quite sure where this movie is set. Is it Chicago. Uh, I, think, I believe
2: it was. It, for some reason, I don't know why I got like a New York vibe from it, it but it,
0: does. it might be Chicago. It, it does. It's, it's somewhere New York, Chicago area. I don't think it ever says. With a boxing match, I'm, yeah, I'm going to say a big boxing match. I'm going to say probably New York. You were figuring they were headed to the Madison Square Garden, right?
2: Yeah, because I actually just we watched it for the first time in like a
0: few mm-hmm. years. And uh,
2: they didn't mention uh, where they were actually from. They never mentioned the it. Yeah, I was... I (laughs) I was trying
0: to listen listen for it. (laughs) You'll have to excuse me. I'm a little... I got a little cold tonight, so... But I'm good. Have no fear. Um, Yeah, they never really say, but uh, on their way to a fight, Jeremy Pivens gets hold of an RV, a giant Winnebago. (laughs) I think it is. Yeah, and I I gotta say, even though this came out in,
2: like, 93... Even my early '90s standards—that was a light that was a nice fucking. Oh, day. that was
0: awesome. That was—I—I I, I live in that motherfucker. No
2: <laughs> lie. Oh, could you? Could you imagine oh, all? <laughs> could you imagine the kind of shit you can get into on a Friday night with with your buddies, alcohol, or TV, a big screen TV, and that, and what else?
0: Exactly, man. But goddamn, this—you know—I'll go ahead and say I really didn't remember how good this movie was. This is a movie that uh, a got horrible reviews. B did not did so bad in the theater. I I'm having a hard time even finding box office on this movie. So
2: No, honestly, you know, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of the movie, but to me what makes it so good is that if you really look at it the storyline is very simplistic, but um, this stuff, that shit can really happen. What happened to those guys was really realistically happened to anybody. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, think about it, dude. They're they're on the way to a boxing match. They get off the exit because they're in traffic trying to go around. Ne- oh, before we get mm-hmm. to that part,
2: we, we got to talk about the road rage incident with uh, Ray Emilio Estevez was in the movie. Steven, Steven Tor- I think his name is John. <laughs> Yeah, that was... That was that was hilarious. hilarious. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anybody that's can anybody that's over a certain age or you have a driver's license, Box, have you ever gotten into an altercation on the road with
0: somebody? Dude, I lived in uh, <laughs> Well, you physically got out the car. Dude, I lived in Florida for sixteen years. That's like every other day in Florida. You're getting out of your car.
1: Oh, yeah. oh.
0: Yeah. But it was hilarious. I, mean, I know when I first saw this
2: movie, I, I honestly thought something was going to come to like gunshots or blows or something. Uh,
0: if it were me, it yeah. might
2: have. <laughs> yeah, I had, but that was just—I don't know why that thing stuck out to me for some no, reason. Because <laughs> no. uh, initially, John, uh, he was a, that seems like the like the uh, loose cannon mm-hmm. group.
0: Well, he was. I mean, Steven Dorf was, like I said, but you know, he played the the part of Emilio Estevez's brother, Frank, in this movie. We'll just call him Frankie or Francis. Don't yeah. call me Francis. Every time he said that in this movie, all I thought of was uh, Stripes with Bill yeah. Murray. <laughs> Any of you fags call yeah. me Francis, I'll kill you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Love that Don't call me fucking movie. Great fucking movie, Stripes. We'll do that one night. But, um, yeah, I mean, basically they get lost. They're driving around frantically trying to get back to the highway. And they think they hit something or somebody. And this is where the movie starts getting deep, if you will. (laughs) Um, They go in. Uh, again, they think they hit somebody. Finally, one of them does decide to get out. Jeremy Piven's is like the paranoid dude in this movie. He's like the complete opposite uh, of PCU.
2: <laughs> I, I just gotta say this: um, you know, this movie's over twenty years mm-hmm. old. And Jeremy Piven. I mean, most people that's listen to this podcast probably know more from like the infamous Summerfest botch on Raw, but. Have you ever just just gotten douche whatever movie he's in a show? Just the guy's always giving me
0: douche chills. I he just, he just comes across as a very believable douche. Yeah, kid. he is. I don't know, but I I I, I like Jeremy Piven. I do. I, I I he's been in not that many movies, but he's done some TV shows and things like that and everything. I mean, isn't he in a TV show right now? He was in old school uh, he was obviously a, he was in Entourage, Anybody knows him from that. Yep, he was in Entourage, that's right. He was in uh one of the Sin Cities. He's been in a few movies. He was in Smoking Aces a while back.
2: Yeah, he's not like a big time star, but he's the type of guy like if you see his face, you'll recognize yeah,
0: him. Yeah, yeah, and he was in old school. You know, I mean you had to have him in old school from the PCU movie. It was obvious he was gonna end up being in there. So um, yeah, but uh, let's see where were we at. So finally, they bring the guy in. Now, I don't know if you know who that guy they brought in was. I
2: know who he is. I know who you're
0: going uh, to New York undercover. Times- he was in that. But think back even before that to a Michael Jackson video. He was in it. He was, it was in Bad. Was smooth. Um, yeah. Or Beat It. No, you know I'm sorry. Go... He was in Beat It. Oh,
2: because I know Wesley
0: Snipes was in a bad video. Yep. And uh, Alfonso Romero was in the Pepsi commercial with him as a very young kid. But the guy that they bring in, I completely forget his name, but he was in the Beat It video. He was one of the gangbanging dancers.
2: Ah, I gotta go back and yeah, look for him. Yeah, yeah. If you
0: watch the beat it video, he is one of the dancers in that in that uh, in that video. So there you go. There's a little a uh, little fun fact that I probably shouldn't know about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. That is cool. That's what that's why he listened to this show for the. There minutes. you go. Uh, in the Yeah, that's who they pick up. But uh, in, in this scene, Jeremy Pivens, remember I said he was paranoid. He's picking up the booze. He's picking up the beer bottles, and he throws them out. They bring this guy in, and they realize he's got a bag of money on him. Uh, yep. Then he starts saying, you know, they're after me, they're after me. They see a police officer, finally, and they try to chase the police officer down. And this is where... They get sideswiped by a Cadillac. Why do all gangsters drive yeah. Cadillacs? <laughs>
2: yeah, especially especially like let's establish it. this is like whatever city or town this is. In, this is a shithole. Nobody that lives in that neighborhood should have a Cadillac or any kind of luxury vehicle.
0: No, this this looks I mean, like this we, looks like Chicago now.
2: Yeah, I mean, if Nish is listening or if he listens to this on the download, but just give us a call. Let us know was this movie shot in or around Chicago South Side? Cause I hear that's a pretty bad part
0: of uh, the I world. I will probably find out where it was shot without a problem. Actually, Judgment Night location. Here we go. We want filming locations, uh, both Chicago and LA. Wow, that
1: mm-hmm.
0: makes sense. Yep. So filmed in both Chicago and LA, so uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Neither one of those. It kind of both looks goddamn they kind of both look the fucking same. And amazing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this might be a shitty thing to say, but I don't even think they had to do any set designs or anything no. like that. They just showed up with a camera and just said, fellas, just walk around, regionalize, let's get the fuck yeah, out of here. <laughs> exactly. Let's just do this and go. Like <laughs> seriously. We got some crank pipes laying around. Let's just get this
0: shit in and out. Yeah, so after they get hit by the Cadillac, they end up going down an alley. The the, um, RV's too big to fit.
2: They They get get
0: stuck, stuck, and as they're trying to get the hell out of there, somebody grabs the guy that uh, they picked up out, and they witness Dennis Leary shoot this guy who yeah this this might have been his first movie i'm gonna find out real quick what were you gonna say
2: yeah and, and, I, and i i gotta say uh i didn't think that you know i like Dennis Leary i really do and i gotta say man like as even though he's a weird looking motherfucker he was a believable badass
0: in this movie He's he well, he's kind of a believable badass in a lot of movies he really is so, let's see here. Like, you, you got the like, just watch,
2: like I said, it's been a while since I saw it up until last mm-hmm. night, just in, in preparation for the show, but you really got the sense that he was pissed off. He really wanted to see these motherfuckers dead.
1: it.
0: Yeah, at one point. Excuse me. Thank you. To- that wasn't over. <laughs> That wasn't over a uh, mixer, thank God. Uh he had actually done uh, Demolition Man before this movie, the same year as this movie actually. Yeah. So and a movie called Gunmen and a few others, The Sandlot. So Yeah, and another movie he did I am gonna review, this is probably a little obscure for you
2: or maybe even people listening. But I think the year before this, and correct me if I'm wrong, he did a movie also Amelia West events called Free Check. I don't know if you remember that one. He
0: was not in that movie. That was i right, No, that was...
2: Uh, then, way, was yeah, I movie. think
0: you're thinking Demolition, man, but that was Mick Jagger.
2: Oh, damn. I know. Right.
0: I Believe it or not, that movie is up there as one of my guilty pleasure. God, I love that movie. Yeah,
2: it's been a while since I've Oh, seen that it, right?
0: movie is I, I, shit. It's complete shit, but I like it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's one of
0: the ways. Look, we be good, bad. It don't matter. Yeah, yeah. This the, 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 Free Jack was Mick Jagger, Anthony Hopkins, um, Emilio Estevez. I believe Rene Russo. He was here? Yeah. Rene Russo. Rene Russo. Yup. And uh, Buster Poindexter was also in that movie. Wow. Yep.
2: And like I said it's been a while, but I, like I said, I, I don't remember being like. One of those, like, oh my God, it was a good movie. But it was so, for me, it was so bad. It was uh, yeah, look,
0: it has Mick Jagger in it. That's all I care about, dude. But, um. Yeah, Mick Jagger, he's one of those. But let's get back I've... to, uh, fucking Judgment Night. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to Judgment Night. All right. Uh, after they. I mean, pretty much this is kind of the, the basis of the movie right here. They witness Dennis Leary. Now, Dennis Leary is a badass, kind of runs this little city they're in and uh, witness him kill somebody, and basically they're trying to stay alive the rest of the night.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah basically, it's, uh, Dennis Lee has like, some rules and regulations, mm-hmm. and apparently the reason he killed the kid, just get that out of the way, is because he thought the kid was trying to steal from him or something along right. those lines. And and honestly, I think if it was just that, he, the kid, he would have let him live. Mm-hmm. But it was the fact that he was on the bus with those four guys. Like he didn't—he thinking like logically, he told them something. He had to.
1: Right, right.
2: You know, you're here, you're shot to death, you're bleeding. They was probably pressing you for information. You yeah. told him something. Yeah. So I can't let you live. I can't let them live. Too many people know what's going on about mm-hmm. me that I can't handle. no. Yeah, and so that's basically why he got it.
0: Yeah, and this movie would be considered a flop. The budget, I did find it. The budget was $21 million. Box office, this movie, only did twelve million one hundred and thirty-six dollars So, way over budget on the movie. Um, meanwhile... Yeah,
2: that's kind of insane. You
0: know what? It. it is. But really, when you go back and look, what these don't consider is... This movie is probably still a Walmart movie. You can probably walk in a Walmart and find this movie. You know, I mean, yeah. movies like this still sell. This is one of those movies you see in the $5 bin and you're like, holy shit, I remember this fucking no. movie.
2: No, it's one of those movies that they become successful over time. Like, people appreciate them over time. It's kind of like Mall Ranch. Like, Kevin Smith says all the time, when it came out initially... Mm-hmm. It did horrible at the uh, box office because, uh, for some reason, whatever, it's like, Clerks was like his introduction to the world. Morris was like his sophomore jinx. Like, he just didn't measure up the Clerks in a lot of people's mm-hmm. lives. But once it hit, it, it became popular. Once it hit LaserDisc, VHS, and later DVDs, it, it, that's when it became popular. Same thing with this movie. A lot of movies you'll find, for whatever reason, they don't do well during their original theatrical run, but once they kind of hit video or... Somebody thrown to a TV one late night. Oh, this is pretty bad. becomes a cult classic that way. That's what happened with this
0: one. Yeah, and you could kind of think of it as... I mean, look at Rocky Horror Picture Show. That movie came out completely... You know, that was in the box office. It completely flopped. But it got such a little cult following that it blew up. I mean, they're doing a live version on, like, NBC or Fox coming up on October 20th, you know? I mean... Yeah,
2: and honestly, you know, we're going to get back to the movie, but this kind of ties in. I think going forward, we're kind of going to add, like, a little feature to the show that we brought this up. We're going to start to check the... What's these... Some of these movies get on, like, the Rotten Tomatoes website. Oh. Because that's pretty much a little good indicator of, like, movies, like... In terms of, like, what people think Well... Like, well, top, over top.
0: No, this movie was, like... Got, like, a 3.1. This movie did horrible on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, seriously? I think it would have been mm, a good one. Give me two seconds here. Let me pull it back up. I did actually have it. Peace. So, give me a couple seconds here. Judgment Night, Rotten Tomatoes, right here. 1993 movie, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, this movie has a 31%, which is a 3.1%. Fifty five percent of people liked it.
2: Uh well I'm still not they're still forgot. I that's still pretty good to me. Because so I look at it like this. It, it, it's it's a, you it's it's not a movie like I said that you know, has like a overall like uh oh my god, it was an awesome fucking movie, epic, it'll stand at the of time. But it's a solid story, believable performances, nothing's over the top. This is like you have to understand, this is people getting and Pre uh, Jerry Maguire. And even though he kind of had some moments where he kind of overacted in this one, he still kind of kept oh, exposing down a little
0: bit. Oh, there was a couple. There was one overacting part that I'll bring up near the end that was just absolute. And you know, I've been watching. <laughs> Men of Honor has been on my cable. <laughs> yeah. Talk about overacting. <laughs> I think. No, (laughs) you know, I think even De Niro looked at him and went, you're you're overacting a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Okay, (laughs) you might, maybe a little bit, maybe, maybe. I need you to tone it down a couple matches. Just a little bit, a little bit, tone it down a little bit. But uh, this was, you know, after Boys in the Hood, after Gladiator, which another underrated movie we're going to have to do one night, the uh, boxing movie.
2: Oh yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm another interested.
0: one. Um, you know, so he and and a few good men. So he did have some acting chops before this movie. Uh, you know, yeah. so definitely. But uh, uh, let's see. Let's, let's 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 jump back to this. First place these yeah. uh, these guys end up is in a kind of a train yard, kind of a rail cart yard, old broken down yard. And you know the homeless, and that—that yeah, that was the scene was funny. As yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. And that brought. The, the, here's, and there was actually one of the funniest lines from Dennis Leary was in this movie, uh, and it's right here. Let me see here. Hope you can hear this. You guys are really starting to piss me off.
2: This is eating into my drinking time. <laughs> <laughs> that... Yo, like, That's is, it. is that a line? Would you feel that line in real
0: life? That is the best line of the whole movie. I believe it's the best line because it's something I would say.
2: Uh, <laughs> That's a box man line. Like, dude, it is. It is. It, it is,
0: and I believe I have used that line more than once. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: but, uh, you know,
0: it, it, they run into... Uh, and The reason I mentioned this part, because it's actually important... They run into a bunch of homeless guys in the car that they jump in. And to shut these guys up, they end up giving them their wallets. Uh, Yes. Yes. Now, I bring this up because this is how Dennis Leary, his character in this movie, does end up with Frank, Emilio Estevez's character. In this movie, he ends up shooting one of the... Homeless guys and ends up with.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because uh, Cuba Good Game is uh, Letterman Jack. Yes,
0: that's why he thought it was him. And he shot him.
2: Yeah, and uh, look, another thing, well, can we, can we, uh, we gotta talk about this scene real quick? Remember the one homeless guy that apparently was out of his fucking mind? That's the whole reason Dennis Fleerian
1: proved it. Because
2: he started, like, I guess, like, recollecting his, uh, his uh, college days or football days. I could have been the next walk, walk with
0: yeah. Satan, and then he just started flipping
2: out. Yeah, exactly. Because hey he not flipped out, they wouldn't pick it out if he was there.
0: Yeah, now, I recognize that guy from a couple of episodes of NYPD Blue. <laughs>
2: <laughs> damn, that, that's, damn, box you are you. Dude, because I didn't recognize that dude. Dude, when didn't...
0: it comes to NYPD Blue, I, I, my fiance hates it. We'll be watching a TV show. Instantly, we'll see someone, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, that's what's his name? He was on this and this episode of." And when it comes to NYPD Blue, I am Rain Man. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah episode ep- episode four season season three season three Yeah, his name was See. That's
2: why I- <laughs> that's why is a man because he took a guy who had literally. Uh, about a minute and 30 second scene in the movie. So yeah, I recognize him from a, a random episode of Flu. Uh, he, he was walking by.
0: No, he actually played a bad guy who... He played a murderer, a crazy murderer, who killed huh. a, gay, a gay professor of his because the professor tried to make a move on him. So... That's who uh, we will... Again, dude, when it comes to NY... Uh, you gotta remember, I've watched that show every year for like the past eight years.
1: Okay,
0: okay. I, cool, I know... Yeah. I know everything about that goddamn show, dude. And we... I I, I want you to eventually watch all 12 seasons. Yeah. We will...
2: you a casual fan. I'd mean, like... Yeah,
0: we'll... Maybe I'll do that one night myself then. Because...
2: <laughs> No, oh, no, no, I can jump in, like, cause, uh, you know, like I said, not to get sidetracked, but it's actually a few uh, shows I want to get into, like, we can get into, like, uh, where they went wrong, like, they started out good, because I know off-air, one week, we was talking about how they fucked up the final season of Roseanne, great show, for, like, seven, seven, eight years, and Then that last year just fucking
0: sucked. Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, so, yeah, we can do, yeah, we can do yeah, that. Because it, yeah, because... Yeah... Real quick, NYPD Blue never had a season where they jumped the shark or anything. They not even with Zach Morris. No, actually, he was fucking great in that show, dude. <laughs> I think I think you would shit on like the Zach Morris. No. you know, I guess when he
2: was trying to be a bad ass when he died, of he terror. was
0: great in that show.
2: And <laughs> and he goes. was
0: amazing. And I'll tell you what, and I'll say it forever: Rick Schroeder was a bad motherfucker on that show. Bad motherfucker. They did have one season, which I believe season five, they really tried to get deep into the stories and do like longer, sh- like like uh, instead of just wrapping everything up in one season or one, you know, one episode, they tried to make everything a two part or a, a, a three part or one of, you know, one of the first parts of season five is actually like a five part episode. Then they stopped doing it, but season five, they just tried to get real serious, a little too serious, but that was really it. Otherwise, amazing show. I've gone over it before. We'll talk about it one night, but uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's see here. I guess we should get back to uh, Judgment Night. Uh, after the rail yard, they decide, which I always thought was the dumbest move in the world, they decide to go to an apartment building.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, you could say it's a dumb move, but it's like, you got to look at it like this. And I, I apply the same, like, horror movies, this movie. <laughs> if they don't make... If, they, if everybody did things the common sense way, the movie would be right up in five minutes. Mm. Like, think about it. Like, if you hear suspicious noise, no, you don't check that shit out. You leave the motherfucker.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well...
3: That's what I do. That's
0: what I do. Yeah. Well, their first mistake was when they did go into the building. One of the kids on the on a swing saw them, and of course, yeah. Dennis Leary's character in this movie eventually does get to that apartment building. And this is a cool scene too, where the uh, you know the, the 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 gang that runs the building kind of uh, they don't bow down, but look. Like eventually, they kind of knew that Dennis Leary wasn't the the guy to fuck with. Fucking yeah, around. he he wasn't the guy to mess with, you know. Yeah. So uh yeah, he basically he yeah. pulled him to the side. He basically said, "Look, I respect you. You know, you earn my you know respect
2: for uh, you know trying to protect your turf, But you don't want to do this. No. I don't want to embarrass you in front of you, So give a here's a couple of dollars for your trouble, and uh, let us you know handle our business and be be on our way.
0: Yeah. And another you know." Good line from this movie was the guy, uh, Dennis Leary, hands him money, and the kid goes, that's got blood on it. And Dennis Leary looks at him and goes, you ever seen any that didn't? Great,
2: fucking, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious, Great man. line. I, I honestly think some of that shit would
0: bad lived. It could have been by him. Um, I'll look at the trivia after we, we go through them. We've only got a few more scenes in the movie before it's pretty much over. Uh, it, it, this is another movie. Not a lot of meat to it, but this movie A still holds up today. Definitely, B definitely. the soundtrack still holds up today, and oh, C, yeah. it's you know a lot of these movies that got a lot of shit. You know, oh, it's a horrible movie. This and that. Ninety. The nineties were a tough time for movies, man. It really was. Yeah. It really was a tough time for movies. Early 90s especially. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the, you know, Boys in the Hood type movies, Menace to Society type movies yeah. were, I'm not going to say taking yeah. over, but it's kind of what people wanted to see.
2: Yeah, and, and honestly, it, it, it was like a weird transition because you figure the 80s we had, you know, I know not cool to mention his name, but we had like, that Cosby show, Bubblegum, John Hughes, Bubblegum type of beauty two-shoes movies, which carried over a little bit into the early 90s. Right. But once Boys in the Hood and New Jack City came out in 91, it was oh. And plus, the 90s, people were just more inherently pissed off about everything. They didn't want to hear fairy tales and shit. Huh. Which is why, I like, movies like Boys in the Hood, and even this one, in my opinion, still holds up to this day. It's a real fucking mm-hmm. movie. It's not a morality play. Is basically like, hey, real shit happens. But you got to realize
0: some of the movies that were coming out that year. I'm going to go ahead and name a few, just to just to kind of let you know, you know, Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, yeah, Jurassic Park, The Fugitive with Harrison Ford, True Romance, Miss Doubtfire, Tombstone. We are definitely doing Tombstone one night. Uh, Adam Adam's uh, Family Values, which both Adam's families were huge. The Firm, The yeah. Sandlot, Dazed and Confused.
2: Okay, Super Mario uh, Brothers. Uh, yeah, I mean,
0: dude, there talk. was so, Last Action Hero came out that year. Philadelphia. Didn't that movie win a ton of shit? Carlito's Way, In the Line of Fire, A Bronx Tale. Yo! Yeah. Menace to Society, like I had said that year. There were a ton of, but not a lot. I mean, look, Wayne's World 2, The Dragon, The Bruce Lee Story. Don't get me started on Bruce Lee. <laughs> um,
2: hey, but hey, they can check it out on my Absolutely,
0: archive. yeah. Check that out. Uh, just go right on the Facebook page and check that out. Benny and June. Movies like that were coming out. It was not the year. Oh, another, another movie we're going to review
2: that came out this year that year. It might have came out the year before, but remember a little movie called Indecent Proposal? Yep,
0: yep. There you go. Oh, come on, Another one we've got to do one night. We have to do Hot Shots and Heart Shots Hot shots Part Duh.
2: Oh, oh, I'm sorry, man. Look, we, we're going to do like that. We're going to do a lot of his movies, so we might have to just do a fucking Charlie Sheen tribute oh. show. Because I don't give a fuck what his, about his personal problems now. The man is a fucking good actor. I love Charlie Sheen. Oh, shit. dude.
0: Trust. You I know, love it. We 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 can do that. Uh, we'll wait for a birthday or something of his, and we'll do it. Yeah, cool. yeah. Because I I, I mean, I can think of a few movies right now that we could talk about.
2: Wall Street, fucking Wall Street, Major League, The Chase. There
0: you go. Those are the, right on. The Rookie with Clint Eastwood.
2: Oh, shit. I didn't know. Oh, and the look, another one. What was that biker movie? Oh. What was it Beyond one
0: the Law, I, Beyond Another up there on my favorite movies. You're correct. Beyond the Law. A 100% true story, that movie. Uh, I, I just remember that movie, like, bits and
2: pieces of it, because I remember he had the beard, and he looked kind of
0: funny. Yeah, he played a uh, police officer named Daniel Saxton, or Saxon, S-A-X-O-N, who was... Um, Actually, played a small part in that movie, but he was still technically undercover. You can go now, look it up, find out what part, where he is, who he is. Um, but yeah,
2: and remember, um, I guess real quick, remember a movie called Terminal Velocity? I sure was? do.
0: He was a geek in that movie, but I uh, I do yeah. remember that movie, uh, and I like I said, man, I could think of so many fucking Charlie Sheen movies, dude. He he's. Definitely had a shitload, and like you, oh, fucking Wall Street, man.
2: Oh, yeah, he that was just, like, and, and look, I look at it like this. He's made a fortune basically playing himself. What? Playing himself, because he, he doesn't really deviate too much, but when he's on, he's fucking on, man. It's, it's,
0: what time is it? Oh, it's beer 45. That's what time it is. Navy Seals. Scary movies, he's in those. Navy SEALs, though, thank you so much, Weeble, because that is another underrated, did horrible in the theaters. The critics couldn't stand that movie, and I will watch that movie whenever I see it on my channels for cable. But uh, another fucking underrated fucking movie. But uh, we'll go over that one one night too when we do those, uh, the Charlie Sheen. Let's get back to this real quick. Uh, they're in the apartment. No one will help them. Obviously, the lesbians the, will. The, that's right. The two lesbians will. And
2: yeah, and, and and to be clear, they didn't outwardly say it, but it was plainly uh,
0: obvious. Yeah, absolutely. And one of them was definitely the uh, the man in their relationship. <laughs> the the one that the one the one that said get the. Out of my house, no, no,
1: Now the no,
2: no one chick that had the robe on with the with the uh, bench, she was pretty badass.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. She she had the daughter, obviously, but uh, you know, obviously, this was another pivotal part in the movie. <laughs> pivotal, Jeremy Pivens. <laughs> See what I did? Oh, shut up. Yeah. All right, um, but uh, Jeremy Pivens actually pulls the gun that we forgot to mention that they had in the RV with them. Uh Jeremy Piven ended up pulling up, out on his friends and didn't want to leave the apartment. He is scared literally scared to death in this movie. You yeah. knew you <laughs> and, knew uh, he <laughs> was dead. You thought the black guy was going to die first? Not in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and I got and I got to say it it was this is like I
2: said I like, I pick up on, like, little lines, little things from the movie that I like, any movie or any TV show. For some reason, I cracked the fuck up when Jeremy Piven pulled out the gun, <laughs> and Cuba Clinton Jr., not missing the beat,
3: you had that motherfucker the whole time, <laughs> and you didn't pull it out what we needed it. <laughs> That's I laughed for a good five minutes. That is a good one. Well, yeah. I'm using it now. <laughs> well, yeah, too late,
0: motherfucker.
3: Come on, Box. You're a gun
2: owner. Wouldn't you? Like, you would pull your shit out when it's immediately at at that time, when it's needed. Um, You wouldn't wait five minutes to go, oh, shit, I forgot I had this motherfucker uh, on me. I
0: don't know if I would have even ended up in this situation, but whatever. You know what? I can't say I wouldn't because obviously this is not something you plan for. Yeah, exactly.
2: It's like one of those things. Like, one. You know, one innocent decision, kind of leave the one thing and leave the one thing. Because all he did was look, looking for a shortcut, but if they had to stay the course, nothing wouldn't happen.
0: Although, we do have a little thing now called GPS, which... Hey,
2: the 90s, hey, 90s, mean. 90s, I is a said, that's right. I said
0: now. I mean, I've gotten involved in some situations, you know, before I was, uh, before I was a gun carrier that were pretty fucking scary, dude. I've feared for my life more than once. And uh, my buddy Joe that was in the chat room has been with me for a few of those times. So We gotta get Joe on the line. He's becoming like an instant uh,
2: celebrity. He's becoming like mixed
0: with famous. Joe used to come in in the early days of the show. Back when no one could hear me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Joe, if you're listening, you gotta call in one of these weeks, man. I'm sure eventually he will. I'm sure eventually he'll call in. Hopefully, I'll end up back in Florida soon, and I can get Joe on here with me some nights. Talking live. Stories from the box pit. (laughs)
2: Nice. Hey, that's a nice little bit. There you go.
0: So, uh, anyway, as we always say, back to the movie. How many fucking times do we say that? Um, anyway, they're in this apartment once the lesbians God, that sounds wrong to say once the two girls that decide to help them kick them out and they do decide to leave, they know that these girls don't deserve anything that they're about to get, so yeah yeah,
2: Amelia Westvez once again he's the voice of yes. the reason. Like, he's like he as we they helped us out we can't put
0: he's the level headed one in the movie. Yeah, and
2: apparently, like, you know, I guess to backtrack a little bit, apparently in his younger days, he was like the badass of the group, so go figure.
0: Yeah, exactly, but um, there's kind of crawling across a ladder built to make a bridge from building to building for kids, so it's not going to hold that much weight. It's a rickety little bridge across with ladders with scattered pieces of plywood on it. But uh, three of them.
2: The Lesbians were nice enough to say, This is your
0: only way. (laughs) Yeah, it's your only way the fuck out. Uh, Jeremy Pivens, again, scared, scared, scared out of his mind. Finally ends up shimmying down the pipe, getting down to him, but will not cross the shifty, rickety ladder. Instead, once Emilio Estevez crosses, which this is another meaningful part where they look at each other and, you know, go through the whole, look, man, we've been through a lot. You got to get across. Jeremy Pivens throws down the bridge and thinks he can negotiate with these guys.
2: Yeah. And like, it's like one of those things, man, like, and I'm glad you brought the scene up because this is kind of like where, you know, you know you can... You can bullshit your friends, you can bullshit your family, but you can't bullshit a bullshitter. I knew the minute he opened his mouth, the first time I saw it was slick, that, yeah, he's fucked up. He Like, he can, he, can, he can shit talk his way out of a lot of situations, but no way he was going to fuck around with these guys. No way.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. You you weren't going to mess around with these guys. No way. Yeah.
2: And this is like yeah, and this is like you know uh, fucking it's not a famous Mm -hmm. speech, but he then this player gives him that great speech like I went to fucking school with people like you, treated us like shit, man. I'm in charge, I'm in control. You're in my hood,
0: you know that type of thing. And it was one of the usual speeches you would hear someone like like that in this movie give, but goddamn dude, you had some hints in this movie that Jeremy Piven's was not gonna make it. Uh, right in the beginning, when they're running from the railway to the apartment building, he st- he stops and he looks at Emilio Estevez. And goes, I'm not going to be able to keep up, and Emilio goes, "We're all going to make it, all of us, right then and there." If you don't think yes. you're dead, <laughs> yeah. And I
2: honestly, this movie should go. Honestly, this movie should go into the Smithsonian <laughs> or wherever they wherever they preserve movies. Because I believe this is one of the few films where the black guy survives. Yeah. See, like, seriously, like, if you, if you, honestly, this is <laughs> no joke. I can't think of too many movies where I like, fucking, I'm looking at the movie, first time I saw it, I'm like, ooh, you know, people couldn't see The movie's been on like, 45 minutes, and he's late. Yeah. Man might make it. <laughs> yeah, he just might.
0: And, yeah, luckily he did, but, uh... Yeah. Luckily he did, otherwise we wouldn't seen the overacting when he was uh, being carted on the um, goddamn on the but, thing to the ambulance as he's shaking from yeah. a fucking gut shot. Toughen up, bitch. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah, but
2: honestly, what honestly what it comes down to, and this is like you know, this kind of applies to real mm-hmm. life. The other, the other three, you could tell they had street mm-hmm. smarts. At that court, even if they weren't like out there drug dealing, this, that, and the other, you can still have street right. marks. Know your way around, know how to deal with certain people. And whereas like when he was like, making a deal, like negotiating with them right. at first. Like and he was like why well, they like he had that line like, Wow, I can't believe he's doing it. Like, you know, like a hundred thousand I think he offered him what, two hundred grand or something yeah, like that.
0: And you know, my opinion of this scene, I guess that's what we're here for, is he tried to buy Dennis Leary instead of trying to figure out a way to earn his respect.
2: Yeah, you think, yeah, I, honestly, you think that's what he came out uh, with?
0: That's my opinion of the scene. I mean, if you kind of want to break a scene down, I think that's where they were going is, that's what he was looking for was respect. He wasn't looking to be paid off. He was looking to get these guys fucking respect. But it, you know, or if you really want to take it, he was going to kill this guy no matter what, which was probably what was happening. He was going to kill this motherfucker, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean that probably was the kick.
0: Yeah, and you know that probably- another good part though is right after he offers him the two hundred thousand. You know, he says, "Oh, we got a deal," and he's looking at him. And Pivens is nervous talking, nervous talking, kind of like Jeremy Pivens always does. He always seems like he's nervous talking. And Leary is creepy, laughing in the background, just going, (laughs) Ray, (laughs) Ray, like trying to get his attention, like, we're going to kill you, Ray. (laughs) Ray, you're dead.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like one of those things where, like you said, though, in my... It was funny because I think he was just trying to hear him out at first just to see, like, what kind of, like, what kind of bullshitting he was going to feed him. Like, you know, because when you're fighting for your life, you'll say anything yeah. to talk your way out of situations like that. But, I, like you said, and she brought that up about the whole, you know, he was looking for that respect thing. Unless he went into that little spiel about your money, your money might be able to get you out of, like, a fucking Wall Street deal or this, that, and the other. The rich. I think he didn't say, like, he was Jewish or mm-hmm. something, his Jewish dad or something like you know
0: that. Here. Let's just do this.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah you you
2: Here, me. let me
0: play the rant first by Leary. Come on. Yeah, play
2: play play the I'm sure
1: he deserved it. Yeah. That's your business. That's your here,
2: business. Here,
0: give me a minute. I don't wanna uh I don't wanna to play too much to get off face uh, YouTube. Just give me a minute or two here, we'll jump right back into it. Well, if the reviews are that bad for so it, well, they
2: might not even care. Because honestly, when I watched it, that's what I watched it yesterday. Fucking YouTube. Whole movie.
0: Yeah, actually, there's. I got it from a different website. uh, But, you know. But I did... It was hard to find, actually. But goddamn, dude. An amazing fucking just... I I... It was amazing how... Oh. Like, I watched it, and I was like, man... How did this movie get such bad fucking reviews?
2: Cause fucking, I look, I look at it like this, you know. Critics and like the casual goer like you and me, and uh, people listening to the show, they of it, they they look at it as like a fucking art form, and this, that, and mm-hmm. the third. Whereas we just we just look at the movie for the enjoyment of it. We look at it from the standpoint of does this movie entertain? Does it make me laugh? Do, do I feel like my ninety minutes, two hours was invested? Yeah, twice?
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I look, to me this is a great. And by the way, the other guy in this movie uh playing another henchman of Dennis Leary's um Yeah, I know
2: that dude. I can't Well, put my on the Well, So do I. Anything. He
0: played Tommy Richardson in uh the episodes of NYPD Blue that I was talking about that went that went f- <laughs>
2: Motherfucking NYPD. It, it was actually the season
0: five where they started doing the long stories. He was actually the involved in it. He was uh, his wife was um, Charlotte Ross. Hey, Box,
2: you're starting to fucking turn to Tommy with the Dude, five cell fat When toys. it comes
0: to NYPD Blue, <laughs> I'm telling you, I know everyone. With, yeah, that guy played Tommy Richardson in NYPD Blue. In season five, by the way, I'm about to miss the rant of Dennis Leary's here. Give me two seconds here. Here we go.
2: Yeah, but honestly, it was a great. Yeah,
0: rant. listen here up, folks. Go. You know, I think uh, I think we can cut a deal here. Oh man, yeah, that's beautiful. There you have I can't it. He's doing it. Here we go.
2: You're pretty good. What, what's your name? Ray. 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 Yeah, right. you're a good negotiator because sure. you didn't even lowball me. I'm gonna come in here and
0: lowball you. Forget about that.
2: Well, you know, because
1: the thing is, I got to trust you. There's a the payment of the money, and then then there's your friends keeping their mouths shut, you know.
0: Hold on. We're businessmen, both of us. We have an understanding. Oh. Let
2: me tell you something, uh, Ray. You don't understand shit, okay? Nothing. Guys like you got to keep checking your pants to see if you got a dick. I got one. You and your friends are the kind of spoon-fed fucking fruit bait that I
1: fucking <laughs> hate.
2: I don't think he understood me. Shut the fuck up! You speak when fucking spoken to, okay? This is not fucking high school, motherfucker. I'll eat your fucking friends for a fucking lunch. You know who we are? No, you have no fucking idea, do you? No. Chicks like you, you just sail through life reading about people like me in the newspaper. Hey! You're in a different place now, motherfucker. Yeah, $100,000 I buy you out of North Shore down here, pussy. That means shit. This is my fucking world. $200,000.
0: See, and I think that's where he fucked up right there. Because that's the end of the rant, by the way. he I think that's where he fucked up. Again, tried to buy him. Disrespecting. Just yeah. thinking that money can take care of all the problems. But I could... Yeah, he was, he was missing his point. He
2: was honestly missing Yeah, his
0: point. I could be looking too deep into it, but... oh, you hit the But here, in just a second, they start with where he starts creepy laughing. In just a second...
1: Just a little bit, and my pulse will be Ray. back to
0: normal. Here he is. Ray. God. Ray.
1: Yeah. To my ears. It's beautiful. <laughs> I'm getting off this roof in one piece. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and he's off the roof. And Jeremy Pivens is no longer in the movie.
2: Yeah, that was a... <laughs> I'm sorry, you know. This movie had a lot of hidden gems when it came to life. That line about guys, like, you gotta check between lazy if you got a
0: dick, I don't have to do that. I, that was a great fucking line. And, you know, another kind of part of this movie that shows that it wasn't about money is that when they do get downstairs, they actually flick the ring that he gave him as down payment right back at him into the blood, you know, showing, look, this ain't about fucking money, motherfucker. So... You know, I mean, they're they're yeah. in their mind. They are trying to protect their turf, their town, what they run, and that's what they're doing here. So,
1: yeah, but uh, this is a
2: good little discussion, here because you know you kind of opened my eyes up to Because I honestly never looked that deep into uh, that little rain. I just thought it was an interesting mm-hmm. rain. But uh, do you think, looking back, that like it see, like this, if you replace. Jeremy Pittman's character, you think that there was a way to talk, t- like, in other words, a more streetwise person could have talked their way out of that situation?
0: Maybe not. Like I said, there's also that chance that that dude was dead no matter what he said. No matter what, he could have offered him a million dollars and he probably still would have died. I really think, I mean, maybe someone could have, you know what, you never know. But in that moment with that guy, you know, in his character they, they were going to kill they were, they wanted to kill these guys. They were trying to leave no witnesses. Remember, rule number 2, leave no witnesses. That right? One. So now from here they go into the sewer. And this is another part where I'm going to say they should not have just sat there and talked. They should have kept going. Uh, because eventually Dennis Leary and, um, you know, his his boys look down, find him in the sewer, and they're chasing him through the poopy in the sewer pipes. <laughs> I just say poopy. <laughs> so, basically, you still with
2: me,
3: Anthony?
0: Oh, okay. oh yeah, I'm here.
2: I said we need a scene, and we need a scene uh little uh, gimmick
0: now. Yeah. Since you see it. Yeah, I did. I I went totally John Cena on everybody, but um, basically, yeah. So they're running through the sewer, going through. Now, in this scene, they do end up killing one. Well, they actually end up killing. Do they end up killing or shooting? They end up shooting. Um, God damn. I can't think. Hold on. Give me the guy's name. In this. Uh...
2: Oh, wait. Hold on. We got to backtrack a minute because they actually killed one of the boys on the roof right after they killed um, Ray. They, after they well, they shot him.
0: him. They shot yeah, him. I think he didn't survive. Yes, he did. Because Dennis Leary ended up killing him in the sewer. Remember?
2: Oh. The same yeah.
0: Guy. Yeah. Same guy. He did get shot in the shoulder, but Leary actually ended up killing him because he wouldn't shut the fuck up when they found Sykes played by Peter Green dead, um, Cuba Gooding Jr. ended up shooting him. Now that's important because Cuba Gooding Jr. kind of gets a little, uh, power of the gun trip going on in his head after he does shoot the Sykes character in this movie. Yeah, because he
2: actually flips um, you know, to kind of tie things in, you know, you gotta pay, pay attention to continuity. Uh-huh. When, uh, Apparently Cuba and uh, Frank's brother John had like a little bond like they were like the two like rebel group But it's like as like time goes on like John becomes he starts to kind of abduct those uh, Like the leadership role of his brother like you know We shouldn't do certain things got a thing with a level head blah Mm -hmm. blah blah Because it was a point in the movie where Cuba flipped on John Yeah, are you back home? If you remember yeah. Do you
0: alright you wanna call me back on Skype or Uh yeah. Give it, uh one to take a five minute You know what? We could do that real quick. Let's pause the movie real quick, guys. Uh then we'll kind of uh get to the end and we'll wrap up. Give us uh give us five quick minutes here and we will be right back. I will keep going with the soundtrack. So have fun and we'll be right back, guys. Oh, now we're back. I actually hit record that time. We're back. Took a little break there. Anthony's back with me on Skype, so we should sound better, better, better. Let's get okay. rid of the music. Now, before we got uh, went to break, we were talking about, um, not arguing, but you had said that a guy had got killed on the roof, but I brought up he just got shot. That brings up another great rant by Dennis Leary. Uh, Which, for the hell of it, I'm going to go ahead and play for you guys. Yeah, fuck. This is when they, uh, just to to let you know what's going on. This is when they find Sykes, played by Peter Green, uh, dead after Cuba Gooding Jr. shot him. This will bring up the whole thing I brought up before of the power of the gun. So this will just kind of tie all that together. Just wanted to uh, kind of, you know, preference everything with that. And here we go.
1: This is great. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't sign on for this. This is your fault, pal. Your best buddy's dead because of you and your goddamn rules. Hey! You ever hear the one about taking care of your Huh? All right.
0: Here we go. You mean you'd let these guys get away with this, right? No, I wouldn't let these guys... Boom. In the face, with an elbow. In the water. You
2: know what I hate? I hate whiners, you know? I hate people who just complain,
3: complain, complain. I
2: had a guy in a joint one time. Sound next to me, and I used... Just to yap about everything used to yap about the food and yap about the guards and yap about this and yap about that and yap 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 all night long fucking yap 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 like a fucking 747 you know what i mean like an engine stuck right between your ears and you can't get away from because he's right next to you, you know what i mean
0: i don't think he's getting up <laughs> and he doesn't um now that part <laughs> you said you know that guy from somewhere um yes,
3: that face. Like he's popped up
0: in a face. His name is Michael Wiseman, W I S E M A N, so no one thinks I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um he was in Predator Two, he was one of the cops in that. He was in a Tales from the Crypts uh one of those. Uh then of course Judgment Night he was in. He was also in the Stoned Age. I that's another great movie. A um, couple more things he's done that you might reckon for. Hey, he was in NYPD Blue as Tommy Richardson.
3: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Matter of fact, we, we should subtitle this episode Judgment Night, the NYPD Blue <laughs> <laughs>
0: um He was in the first Planet of the Apes in 2001. Uh, let's see. He was in Judging Amy, the TV show. He's done a bunch of TV shows. X-Files, he was in an episode. ER, he was in an episode. He's probably one of those guys you see and you're like, oh, I've recognized him from this, this, that. But he's done a lot of, um, the only show he did complete was Vegas, The TV series that came out with, um, I believe that had Michael Chiklis in it.
3: Yeah, that was a show that had like a lot of hype and it only lasts like one year, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's it. But that's a lot of he's done. He's just been in a ton of single roles in TV shows. You've probably just seen him, recognized him a few times.
3: Oh, uh, on a related note, I was actually going through the uh, chat room to see what I missed and uh I got I can't wait to listen to this on the download listen to it back to hear. apparently he was dropping some knowledge on hip hop well <laughs> cuz obviously the uh the soundtrack of a uh, judgment night is
0: very hip hop influenced uh well the, the the soundtrack is is one of the it's not hip well it is hip hop but it's more of the it's a nice mix it, it's heart, it's hip hop rock. it's the metal rap mix so it's it, it it was kind of the it was kind of the beginning of that i mean ice t I believe that he put out the album after this
3: yeah and i am to take it back uh what uh run dmc what in the mid 80s just to get on mtv they figured hey well hip-hop by itself yep. won't get on mtv they like to fuck with the hard rock the metal stuff so let's incorporate and some metal and
0: anthrax yeah that's what they
3: did like a lot of collaborations they did stuff with the beastie boys uh help me out box who else anthrax, did they work with?
0: Aerosmith. Yeah. Uh, and the Anthrax song is the one that actually they started doing with MTV. So that was one of the things that brought up Yo! MTV Raps. So, yeah. you know, you can thank them for that. So, But uh, yeah, this, um, trust me, I was a little shocked. Uh, it's not that I know about it, but peop- B-Megs had asked why I threw in some uh, House of Pain and Everlast. And it, and it's because yeah, and, me, you know, yeah. and I'll be honest,
3: like yeah. <laughs> this movie kind of reminded me that I liked um the um the song that uh Run DMC did with uh, Living yeah. Color, Living Color yeah. of all people. And, I'm actually surprised. And he, the guy, um, he, I mean, I, I obviously Cult of Personality is like their most famous right. song that people would know instantly, especially because Punk used it for like mm-hmm. all of the years. But uh, I'm surprised. Apparently, they had some a lot of hidden
0: gems. Well, you do realize that the guy with the goatee was Eric Schrody, the guy who played the other henchman of Dennis Leary's. You know that's the lead singer of House of Pain. Oh, damn. Knowledge, Bob, knowledge. Well, look, I have IMDB, and I knew, I didn't know if it was, I couldn't remember if it was him or Be Real, but I knew one of the famous rap groups at that time had a guy in this show. So, yeah. but it was not be real. It was um, Eric Schultz from from uh, House of Pain at the time. Everlast now. So I threw in a few Everlast songs in the old uh, in the old mixler while I was going. So that's why. That's why. And yeah, Weeb's brings up a. Uh, you know, we're going to get into the trivia. But since Weeb's just brought this up, Adam Carolla was actually a stand-in. He actually talked about this on his podcast. Uh, so he was a stand-in for one of the bad actors. So this was his first film that he was ever a stand-in or had anything to do with. So there's a quick one right there. Now I guess we got to get back to the movie real quick because we were gonna wrap up after they went into the sewer and actually did end up killing one of the guys. They end up uh, break and you know what? Backtrack. Back to Cuba Gooding Jr. getting a little bit of power of the gun here.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, we did do Juice a few oh. weeks ago. I guess he was like, fuck it, I got he the Juice of, now, he motherfucker. He kind of 2
0: it. And you know what? This kind of shows the, the even b Megs brought it up. It does show that this is Cuba Gooding, that he can't act. His demeanor completely changed. Uh, he kind of got that Boys in the Hood attitude for a little bit in this movie. But, you know, he kind of did get the power of the gun. He wouldn't, you know, let go of the gun. Kind of just became a badass for a little while. He got humbled pretty quick when he took a bullet. But, um... (laughs) You said, I mean,
3: let's be fair. I mean, let's all joke society. I mean, I know, like I said, uh john got shot in the leg he got he took a good <laughs> shot but it, it, let, let, let's be honest like if, if that was any one of us in that situation especially if you never got shot before you probably would be freaking out too like awesome. <laughs> am i gonna make it because you never know the bullet could hit some uh you know some uh, shit
0: <laughs> yeah and a gut shot is a tough one because you either can you know i mean you can die from it so to bleed it's, out. it's tough you know, you it, it's what takes the longest to bleed from and Usually you miss major arteries, but you got intestines in there. And if you hit those, you fucked. So, but yeah, um, to kind of backtrack where they got, where he got shot, why he got shot. um, They basically, first thing they do is try to flag down a bus. This bus driver ain't stopping. She even says, I don't think so. As she guns it. So, they try to flag down a bus. The bus won't stop for them. They end up finding, um, looks like a grocery store, meat department kind of thing. Yeah. And break the window. They're trying to get a hold of the cops here. They 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 did what they said. Uh, meanwhile, one of the cops is killed because Dennis Leary's already there. They do find a gun on Cuba Gooding Jr., which he forgot he had. And, let's face it, cop gun black guy this ain't gonna go well <laughs> you with yeah. me anthony oh yeah because cuba
3: keep that that's what he's and that's even before he got shot mm-hmm. he got humbled because when he saw the cop it was almost like he was cool until he found out like, oh shit i got this gun yeah. on me the cops don't know that they, they not go they already think we guilty of something yeah. They ain't gonna. They gonna find a gun on me, and they ain't gonna give it. That's gonna like inc- implicate us yeah, more. Yeah,
0: probably had a little flashback to Boys in the Hood here. No, he had a. That's
3: when you had. He had like a coming. He had that coming to Jesus meeting look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's like it was at that moment. Yeah. I, honestly, that it was honestly. This would have been a perfect scene, like for like a Chappelle go Chappelle show on you for a minute. They should have paused it. It was at this moment. It was at that moment. Mike knew. That he, he fucked, fucked up, up. well, Paul Moon, like Paul Mooney, could have did the voiceover. <laughs> that would have been gold.
0: Yeah, and he and I, I think that was definitely the part where I think, like I said, he kind of got humbled by that. He knew he fucked up there, but uh, you know th- th- that's where you know as soon as the cop finds the gun, Cuba Gooding Jr. turns around, Dennis Leary, uh, not Dennis Leary, uh, Eric. In this movie, uh, he turns around and they are firing at the police officer and him. Turns into a melee, a lot of gunfire. Both, uh, Stephen Dorff and Cuba Gooding Jr. end up getting shot in this movie. Uh, Cuba Gooding, we have already talked about, does get shot. Now, he's got a hell of a gun in this movie. Looks like he's got a forty-five.
3: Yeah. Now, let me ask you, Box, because we're nearing the end, so... We're not really spoiling anything for anybody. Uh, Out of the four, only Jeremy Piven's character got killed off when he flew off. He took a swine dive off the roof. Are you surprised that, I guess, they made the uh, choice to have, like, basically the majority of the group survive? Because normally in movies like this, it's only, like, one survivor. Mm -hmm. They normally get picked off, especially nowadays. If it's, like, four or five friends, you know by the end, if it's two of them left, that, that that's a good thing. It, that's like a blessing.
0: I do remember first seeing this movie and thinking probably the only two that are going to make it are um, Emilio Estevez and his brother, because it was just the way the movie was going. That's kind of what you thought was going to happen, and really when Cuba Cuba Gooding Jr. got that gun, ha- that gun happy, that whole you know the whole feel of the gun power going, I really thought they were going to kill him. I did.
3: Oh, uh, shout out to B-Megs in the chat. Uh, I feel yeah. you, bro. I've yeah. never been shot and don't want to experience that no. ever.
0: <laughs> he made that abundantly clear. Good man. Good man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I probably don't either. But, um, yeah, yeah,
3: he does. The old Cat Williams ain't ain't shit cool about getting shot. <laughs> he said he been shot before. Don't know music he playing. Don't
0: know stuff about <laughs>
3: dancing. <laughs> it ain't nothing cool about the experience mm-hmm. whatsoever. So, stay out of those situations.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, so yeah. After I really did think that it was just going to be the two making it out of the movie, but it wasn't. Um, we are nearing the end. Kubo Junior does get shot, and Emilio Estevez ends up locking them in a room, keeping them safe. Finally ends up facing Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary is kicking his ass until he starts mentioning his family, pulls out his wallet again, starts mentioning his family, his address, pisses him off, and of course, he ends up- And this was a nice payoff because- He ends up throwing Dennis Leary down a hell of a flight of stairs, over a rail. Kind of significant, uh, symbolic. To the way uh, Jeremy Pivens or Ray died in this movie.
3: Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, definitely.
0: falling down, throwing off of a, you know, high ledge. But, you know, I mean, that's basically the end of the movie there. So, uh, you know, Gooding uh, Jr. lives, his brother lives, Emilio Estevez lives. They basically the whole premise of this movie was they were trying to survive the night.
3: And uh, honestly, and once again, you know, we we criticize WWE for it nowadays and just wrestling in general, the lack of continuity. I, this movie has so much continuity to it; it's like I'm unfucking yeah. real, because the beginning of the movie, Emilio Estevez, you know, he was the married man, he was with his wife, his daughter. It's like it was like it was like a. It kind of taught you kind of like how you kind of kind of appreciate people and the time you mm-hmm. had with them, because I guess it they were trying to tell a story that he was kind of like he felt like he was stuck in a rut. rut. He needed to get out, hang out with the boys, hang out. and by the end of the movie, it's like. I want to get home because Cuba's like he's on a stretcher from the gut shot as you hit the pussy. He's pushing that over the gut shot. He was talking about, hey, I got some tickets to uh, the Bears game <laughs> yeah, next week. That laughing the
0: whole time. Was just... like,
3: that was, like I said, that was one of those funny yeah. lines.
0: He was like, no, nah, I'm going to be at home in front of the TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll be home in front of the TV. I, I, trust me, I and get even it. Stephen
3: Dorff had a good line. He was like, uh, well, uh, Emilio said, uh, guess what? You're going to the yeah. game next week he was like, no nah, i'm too young yeah. for this shit. Yeah, and
0: the cop behind <laughs> him the uh ems guy shaking his head like you fucking young piece of shit whippersnapper <laughs> back in my mm. day <laughs> this is you call
3: get you call, you call getting shot what you call getting shot i call just another friday yeah. night
0: <laughs> yeah so that's the movie um underrated movie again not not a well liked movie by a lot of people but people probably my age and younger will remember this movie as not being as bad as people said. Not a great movie for the time it came out. This movie probably should have come out a year or two later. And it probably would have done really good. Uh, but overall, this is a movie that still stands up. I'd, I'll i watch this movie Anytime. Anytime. I, I, mean, I, I
3: might watch it again probably within I've, the next few
0: days. It really is a good... It yeah, flies by. I've been watching it since we've
3: been on the <laughs> air, so... And, uh, Box, <laughs> Dennis Leary had, like, a lot of hidden gems mm-hmm. in his movie that I'm going back on. Did you... Like, when he first found the wallet, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think at one point he had called him on the phone, and he was talking to Emilio's character, and he was reading off the facts about, you know, hey, this is your wife, this is your address, blah, blah, blah. He was like, hey, not a bad-looking woman. She Italian? Yeah. I don't want a fucking Italian movie <laughs> That line, once again, that line just stuck out to me for yeah, some reason. That's
0: when he was uh I think that's when they were uh they they didn't call him. He was that's when they were in the apartment building and he was yelling in the apartment building. Yeah. 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 But uh some Oh yeah better yeah. really good scenes in this movie.
3: Not too many I, I wager to guess not too many people, Weebs. I mean B Mag's uh movie's been out over 20 years. It's not a movie that gets talked about a lot, which is kind of why we do this show. I mean, not that we, we're going to change the world or change anybody's opinion, but you know, the goal of this show, at least from my perspective, I can't, I don't want to speak for box here, but I want to shine a light on movies that people don't really, maybe don't get a lot of love to, or they don't, you know, shine a light on like, like this movie. This is a good fucking movie that people don't really talk about.
0: It's uh, like I said had this movie come out a year or two later it might have been you know one of the one of a better movie but it was just a bad time I think for it to come out but it's it's a very underrated movie it's one of those movies that is it it should be talked about more but critics back in the late 80s early 90s held a lot of weight when it came to people going to watch movies I believe I hate uh, I'm not sure if I'm right but I kind of think the popularity of the internet kind of made people realize that critics are full of shit movies are what they are like what you like don't listen to critics
3: I I mean and look, I look at it like this rest in peace I mean because I used to you know I'm a that I used to watch like the uh, the movie review shows with uh, Roger Ebert and Gene oh, Siskel, course. and then later was uh, Ebert yeah. and Roper. Because Roper, like you know, obviously he had some clout, and he you know he actually was a writer, and I think he did some acting before he became like a movie critic, and he wouldn't blatantly shit right. on movies, even movies that he gave like. A thumbs down to or negative stars or whatever, he would actually take the time to give like viewpoints and opinions. Nowadays, people would just get online and just shit on a movie and literally say it had no redeem. They won't give you anything to work with. Like, he he at least found like bright spots to Mm -hmm. talk about. That's why I kind of like, you know, at least for me personally, his like opinion generally carries some weight to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, this movie just, I mean, if you go to, uh, like I said, Rotten Tomatoes, these people tear this movie apart, but a lot of them, you know, it's weird that it has this kind of rating, because, you know, some of the reviews are, you know, exceedingly well-directed, clever movie, kind of, you know, gives the paranoid view of an inner-city nightmare where this could happen in the real world, Uh, perhaps the, Mm -hmm. but then you go from... That to perhaps the ultimate judgment comes from Estevez, who observes nothing about, you know, this movie makes no sense. You know, it's just people, whatever. No, but fuck them. And uh, <laughs>
3: While we're on Emilio Estevez, like I said, I told you I found a movie on YouTube yesterday to watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, I actually found a few of his movies that I forgot about. I'm going to drop some of them on you. Do you remember a movie called uh, That Was Then, This Is Now? No. Okay then. <laughs> <laughs> About uh, Maximum Overdrive.
0: Yes, of course. I'll, that's a great movie.
3: Ah, did you? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, did you think it was like a little too weird, or like too ahead of his time with the whole talk, you know, killer truck deal? Dude,
0: trucks drove themselves and got taken over by a possessed spirit. It's awesome. That's all I'm gonna say.
3: Oh no, yeah, I mean,
0: I, I enjoyed it, but do you think that it was like you
3: know, uh, twenty years too soon or ten years too soon? Um, that's that—that's another movie that I, it it, do, it either doesn't get talked about, to, it, it alters between not getting talked mm-hmm. about enough, or when people do talk about it, they shit on it generally.
0: I think it's a ridiculous concept any time it comes out, but <laughs> whether it came out twenty years before or ten years later, ridiculous concept, but. Half the movies that come out today are ridiculous concepts, and they do fine. So, I don't know. Maybe if it did come out a little later, it might have been a little better. But I enjoyed the movie for what it was. You know, it was just a sci-fi kind of horror movie, and wasn't bad.
3: Yeah, and um, what about uh, the other one? Um, What was I thinking of? It was uh, Wisdom. Remember Wisdom with Denny Moore? No, I don't. Yeah, I got to see if I can get you a copy of these. Mm. They're actually pretty good. Like, I don't know. Mimil West of is like he went on like a hot streak, at least in my opinion, where he did like these kind of like low budget movies, like concept movies
1: mm-hmm.
3: that a lot of people don't talk about, like between Breakfast Club and Bre- if Breakfast Club was like his big hit in the 80s. He took like a, a layoff where he kind of like flew under the radar with some of his movies that kind of yeah. got shit on. Then he kind of picked it back up with Young Guns in the like 90s. Oh
0: we got to definitely do those movies. Those movies, one and two, deserve a whole show dedicated to them.
3: Well, investigate shit. we got to do another one of my uh, underrated minute work. I I love love minute work.
0: That's a funny (laughs) movie, though.
3: I'm I'm sorry. It's just great. I mean, one of the few times. Ironically enough, for them to be brothers, they didn't do a whole lot of movies together. No,
0: they only did one one, maybe two at the most.
3: Yeah, they did uh, they did uh Young Guns, the first yep. one they did, Minute Work. That's uh I don't know if you even want to count a uh, Loaded Weapon One where uh, Charlie had a, a cameo oh, as the that's battle. right. Remember he had like a quick little yeah, cameo? God, I haven't
0: seen that movie in forever.
3: That was a, that that's one of my favorite movies, and I'm gonna point this out. There was supposed to be I'm gonna look it up. I forgot the story, but uh you can fill in for me for a minute. But they were supposed to do a sequel. Which is why they called it National Lampoon's Loaded Mm -hmm. Weapon One, fuckers. Because I was I actually enjoyed that movie, and I would have supported a sequel. I probably would have too. But it got canned, and and apparently, like they had like concept art, they had like the posters Mm -hmm. ready. Let me look this up so I can get this exact story. But that pissed me off that they didn't do a sequel.
0: Now there's been some talk of actually doing a remake of Judgment Night. Uh, and Back in 2012, nah. there was a little bit of talk of it. I do remember that. Man, nah, it would you know?
3: Nah, I mean to me, this movie worked with the original. It worked for its time, but now it it would be no. You know, you'd have a bunch of hipsters. Most that you know. Most
0: of the people on uh, are complaining that the problem with that would be the soundtrack. The soundtrack made the movie. And I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that the is true. The soundtrack sold way, probably way better than the movie. I wouldn't doubt that.
3: So you think the <laughs> you think the sound whatever they lost on the movie they recouped in a uh, soundtrack sales? I can
0: find the Judgment Night soundtrack uh, sales because I will <clears throat> bet you it probably close to did. Let's see soundtrack. Sales. I'll bet you it did close to it. Oh, excuse me. I feel like shit. Let's see if Wiki has it. Excuse me. Let's see if Wiki has anything on it. No, they don't. But then again, Rolling Stone said that soundtrack was bracing rap rock. It was a wedding of hillbilly and race music that started the whole thing in the first place. An ins- aspiring rebirth. <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. But yeah, there's not much about it, but basically just tells all of the things. And the soundtrack for this movie was probably more popular than the movie itself. How many? I mean, come on, How many? that Judgment Night song, how many times did you hear that shit on the radio, dude? Oh damn! Come to think of it, you're right. Yeah, I mean Judgment Night with uh, Onyx and was it Helmet?
3: Yeah, it was Helmet.
0: No, right. Biohazard. Excuse me. Yeah. Sure?
3: But Helmet did do a Helmet, song for the soundtrack. It was didn't it?
0: Uh, just another victim with Helmet in the House of Pain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Biohazard and Onyx did that Judgment Night song. That was a fucking amazing song, dude. Uh, let's see. The soundtrack was. Just Another Victim, Helmet and House of Pain. Fallen by Teenage Fan Club and De La Soul. Me, Myself, and My Microphone by Living Color and Run DMC. Judgment Night, we just talked about. Disorder, Slayer, and Ice T. <coughs> another Body Murdered. Faith No More and Booyah Tribe. I Love You, Mary Jane. Sonic Eat and Cypher's Hill. Freak Mama, Mud Honey, and Sir Mix-a-Lot, Missing Link, Dinosaur Jr., and Dell, the Funky Homo Sapien. Man, I never thought I'd ever say that. Come and Die, Therapy and Fatal, and real thing, Pearl Jam and Cypress Hill. A lot of wow. good mixes of music. Uh, you know, Pearl Jam was giant at that time. Faith No More was still huge at that time. Biohazard, <sighs> Living Color... House of Pain was giant, um, you know, Ice-T was always. Onyx was just hitting it with a bunch of their songs, you know.
3: Yeah, I mean, music in general, man, in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I haven't actively listened um like, I don't listen to the radio anymore, anymore at all. I, I, I honestly cave up on hip-hop. The last good year for me, a hip-hop in general was probably, like, 2004. I was earlier <laughs> than
0: that.
3: <laughs> But, um, yeah, man, it, it, yeah it's like, this movie took me back. I honestly wish, if we can get locked in a decade, for some reason, I just wish we can get locked in the 90s. Because it just seems like with society, the music, the movie, everything just seemed to rock. Everything just seemed to work between 90 and 99.
0: Yeah, you're right. It really did.
3: The internet was a thing, but it wasn't, it didn't, like, uh, fucking take over the world. People had cell phones, but they didn't live and die by them. You didn't have that fucking Pokemon Go. Shit,
0: I think we had fucking Nextel, which was the big thing around now, around then. And you still had to actually talk to people in the fight. You still mm-hmm. had to rely on, like,
3: common sense to get yeah, from A I to think Z. those
0: little Nextel chirp-chirps were big right around this time. Or yeah. getting there. And no, beeper. 93. No, they weren't even, no. Not even. This was still beeper time, dude. This was...
3: Yeah, Box, did you have a beeper? Oh, yeah.
0: <clears throat> Did you used
3: to?
0: <laughs> did you used to beat people in code? Text me one four three, baby. It means I love you. Oh
3: yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Just text me. Text me sixty nine, and I'll oh, be on yeah. time.
0: Yeah, I had a beeper, dude. <laughs> I had a beeper. Yeah, the album uh, "Thank You Weebs" album peaked at number seventeen on the Billboard two hundred, and uh, ended up having four singles, which means four of the songs got radio play on that fucking album, dude. That is not common for a soundtrack. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Especially especially when you consider it's a soundtrack to a movie that got generally shit on by everybody. Oh, yeah. Critics, moviegoers. So, I mean, for that alone, this movie is uh, hugely significant.
0: Yeah. I, I, if you really I, stop yeah, and think I about think it. I think the soundtrack might have been more impactful than the... Uh, yeah, movie. Movie.
3: Which is why we have to review movies like this, The Shining Light. I mean, think about it. You know, you talk about, I'm trying to think of a movie that, that, that uh, you, I can't, I honestly, off the top of my head, outside of this one, I can't think of a movie where the soundtrack did better than the actual movie. Because generally speaking, if a movie's good and the soundtrack kind of like, depending on who you have mm-hmm. on the soundtrack, they're normally like on the same level, even keel. Yeah. Yeah. That situation, but you never see it. You've never seen a situation where the soundtrack is so, like, literally, four number one hits that got radio play. Yeah. You don't hear that from, too often from a movie no. soundtrack. No. You might hear one song, maybe two, but they have three, four, five songs off of one soundtrack. Uh huh.
0: Uh huh. That's unheard uh, of. Echo. Uh, echo. So you keep talking so I don't have to echo.
3: <laughs> yeah. Echo. Fuck you. Um,. No, oh, but man, I'm trying to think of something.
0: I don't. I'm sounding like Jim. I don't playing, wow. know if there is another there. movie you can even bring up. That let me let me think here. It's better soundtrack than movie. Now, box. Let me ask
3: you why you're looking that up. This is mm-hmm. random. I'm randoming talking now. Um, what what are your thoughts on Forrest Gump? I I, I actually like that movie. That's probably one of my favorite Tom Hanks movies. Um. Where would you ranked? I mean he won the Academy Award for it didn't he? Yeah,
0: and I wasn't that big on it to be honest with you. I really was not that huge on that movie i mean
3: just for the scene where uh you know his mama I love my mama, Mama taught me life was like a box of chocolates. yeah I mean and I'm sorry <laughs> the scene where Sally Hill had to bang the principal. <laughs> to get him special treatment in school was great. Yeah, I don't know. That he had him sitting outside with the little uh, the, the the leg gimmicks on them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all so... you heard was yeah, yeah. <laughs> your mama sure love you, son.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sally Field.
3: Yes, <laughs> she's
0: she's a, she's an underrated underrated hottie, dude. Yeah, especially back, back then. You gotta, you know what? Watch. Smokey and the Bandit, the original. She's okay. she's an underrated little hottie for that time. Uh, you know what? I found a thing of the five movies that have a better soundtrack than an actual movie. Um, I'm going to read these real quick. There's only five, so why not run down them? Number five is Saturday Night Fever. That, well, let me, that's like, a, that's like a, uh, an institution mm. for some people. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And
3: plus, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, all doers that is that is kind of iconic, the scene with Travolta walking down the street with the fucking jumpsuit <laughs> yeah. on. So you got staying alive. Come on. I'm pretty sure Boxing in your younger days, you probably emulated that little strut down uh, your Ooh, neighborhood some days. Let's not go that let's, You just
0: had the music playing uh, in your head. Let's not go that far, but um, this, th- th- that was <laughs> definitely... I wouldn't even say iconic. That was a legendary soundtrack. Let me tell you what. You can play the Stayin' Alive song anywhere. I don't care most I don't care how old you are. Most people know this song.
3: Yeah, it's one I'm it honestly I didn't quote it myself. It is.
0: Uh number 4 brings up Tron Legacy, which was uh, you know, the Obviously, the, the, the remake of the new of the Tron from the eighties. Um, yeah. you know, obviously Daft Punk and some people were on that soundtrack. I've I've heard that one. Godzilla from nineteen ninety eight. They have on this list. Uh, yeah, the movie was horrible. I guess the soundtrack was.
3: I, mean, I wouldn't even know about the soundtrack because I avoided that movie like I know one of the
0: songs on this soundtrack was that Puff Daddy, Jimmy Page, uh, where he where he kind of ripped. Ripped off the Led Zeppelin song. Um, number two, guess what? Number <laughs> two is Judgment Night.
3: Yes, so yeah, I'm, you know? I'm glad to see it made it pretty it high did. up on the list. Never That's respect one is Batman Forever. Yeah, I, no, I, I can't because I did like Batman Forever. I can't. Batman and Robin was a shitty one. Oh,
0: uh, Arnold was in that one. I am Mister Freeze. I mean, was like y- uh, Clooney. No, I put it to you like you this. need to chill. I'll...
3: Man look, man what do you think about this? Box? <laughs> okay, would you would you say look, would you say Clooney might be, he he was a better Bruce Wayne and Val Kilmer was a better Batman maybe?
0: I, mm, I don't know. I, I I'm going to tell you the truth and I I get a lot of shit for this whenever I say. It. I think Michael Keaton was the best of both worlds in the in, in the first Batman. Well the first Batman, like you had no the, the
3: first Batman is that that that's to me like I put that up there with good fellas. They better never ever try to recreate that one. That was just like the perfect you know, that the, the stars mm-hmm. aligned, you had Michael Keaton in his prime. Yeah, Jack Jack Nicholson is just he's an institution. And my And Kim and, Basinger at the peak. For Michael hotness. Keaton's
0: an underrated actor. Look, he did a lot of stuff in the early eighties, late eighties, but He's underrated, dude. I mean, I really thought he was the. You do think he gets I enough think love? He was the best Batman, and I know a lot of people know like, he was the worst. No, he wasn't. Um, I don't think he was the worst. No, I can't. I can't. I
3: can't say he was the worst at all. I mean, just because, like I said, the first two Batmans, I saw the second one in the movies, Batman mm. Returns. I got a soft spot in my heart for those first two Batmans, so I'll, I'll never say he's the worst. I mean, if people want to shit on him, maybe he was a little bland. Mm. But that's just Michael Keaton like if you know his acting style that's kind of, he kind of he's kind of like Seinfeldish. He has like a very dry sense of humor. He's got that humor. dry
0: sense of humor, but I'm to be honest with you, I think Clooney was the worst Batman of all of them. Clooney's a pretty boy. <laughs> he just that's not the kind of role I see him. In. Val Kilmer, I could see him in that kind of role. He cuz he's, Cause he's yeah. done like
3: yeah, he's done those type of grimy mm-hmm. you know, action-type movies. I mean, George Clooney look, this is not the shit on George Clooney. He's a good actor, but he's like the like the professional type. He's the suit and tie type yeah, of guy. Yeah, it's fun, it's the same reason I wish I'll shit on Daredevil. I I literally have a DVD of that in my house. I bought that for like six bucks at Block, Blockbuster. Geez, remember when Blockbuster oh, yeah. was a thing? I watched it once, and I <laughs> I was just pissed off. Yeah, for like a like two weeks because that was that was horrible. I've seen
0: that movie one fucking time. That's it. I watched it, I've one, seen time, it one time. And I
3: don't even know where it is, but if I if I find it, I'll burn it, <laughs> clean it up, burn it again. Yeah, and that movie yeah, sucked. It
0: wasn't a great, whatever. It wasn't that fucking great of a movie, but I don't know. But yeah, I really think Clooney was the look. Clooney can play a badass. I've seen him do it. Watch that movie Three Kings with him, Mark Wahlberg, and Ice Cube. Great movie. He's a believable badass in it, in a military uniform.
3: No, box. You know what would have been hilarious? You just said Clooney is a badass. If you had to say, yeah, Clooney's a badass. By the way, remember him? He was a real badass on Facts of Life when he was a plumber. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, that, that would have been funny if you had a follow up of Facts of Life. Yeah, uh, he was shout he, out with dude, that. He,
0: uh, yeah, Clooney's a real badass. On Roseanne. <laughs> remember that. Yes, was? he was. He was the boss of the factory.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Early years,
0: she yeah, but I mean, yeah. Cooney has played some definitely good. But you know what? Even in the chat room, they're bringing up that fucking Keaton. The Weeble agrees Keaton's the best Batman, too. Multiplicity. Oh, great movie. Thanks, uh, Multiplicity. Mr. Mom. Dude, I will watch Mr. Mom. I don't care what I'm in the middle of. Mr. Mom's on cable. I'm turning it on. You know, yeah. Speaking of underrated hotness, uh, Terry Gar in her in her day she was a pretty good looking woman. Yeah, 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 she was. So w- what else has Michael Keaton been in that I'm forgetting here? He did a movie with uh, Christopher Lloyd. Was
3: it was it Dream Team or no? Uh, or night was it night? It was Harry. It was, was it night? No, it was, I think it was Dream it Team where <laughs> the crazy guys. Right. Yeah, but
0: he did a movie with Henry Winkler. Was it Night Shift? I think you're correct. Give me a minute here. I'm pulling it all up here. Pulling it up here. And
3: while you're pulling it up, I got to ask you, what what are your, what are your thoughts on a Henry Winkler? Because, I mean, I'll be honest. It was a mob because, like, I had obviously, like, a lot of people discovered him through Happy Days Reasons, oh, yeah. right? And then when I saw him in other things, I'm like, wow. And then, like, even when I just was seeing him in, like, interviews, mm-hmm. the guy, like, was so... Opposite of the fines because I was expecting oh, like yeah. you know, cool
0: guy in real life. He was just like wow, like talk about a guy who
3: played oh, the role. He's a, yeah,
0: he's a very well spoken dude. He's been the director in a ton of films that you don't even know about. The Winkler, uh, real quick back to Michael Keaton. Let's just do this night shift. You were correct, Mister Mom. Johnny Dangerously. Anytime it's on, gung ho. I'll watch it. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Dream Team, you were correct there. Batman, Batman Returns, One Good Cop was yeah. another movie with him. Multiplicity, yeah, I actually enjoyed I that forgot, movie for some I, reason. I,
3: <laughs> it was it was hokey, yeah, I but I, I liked.
0: It. He was in Jackie Brown.
3: Oh oh man! Wait a minute, yeah, real quick,
0: yep. time out,
3: time out. We we, we got to that, that movie. I love that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. That to me is the height of Quentin Tarantino's what Anybody. Stop what you're (laughs) doing. Stop listening to the show right now and seek that movie out. Definitely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He did Car... uh, I think he was one of the voices in Cars, wasn't he? Yeah, he was Chick Hicks. He was in Mm -hmm. Cars and he was in the video game, too. So, I mean, dude, Michael Keaton's just an underrated guy, man. But look, hey, and Beetlejuice 2 is coming out. There's a Beetlejuice 2 announced... So he'll be in that as Beetlejuice again. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So. Out
3: of sight. That was another Out other. of sight. Uh-huh. There
0: you go. And and you're right. Clooney was a badass in Dust Till Dawn. I will say that. He was. He played a great badass. Him and um, uh, Quentin Tarantino were just insane. And that's right. He was in Toy Story 3. One of the voices, B Meg's very good. So, yeah. He's done a ton of fucking movies, and I think he's another underrated guy just because he hasn't done 150-some movies. But most of the movies and he I did like were less yeah, more. He did some impactful movies, though. Mr. Mom, like I said, I'll, I'll watch Mr. Mom anytime. And again, yeah, that's a movie from my time. I'm 40-plus years old, so yeah, I like it. He was in the RoboCop remake. Okay. Like, hey, like, fuck it. A good movie is he a good movie. He was in the movie. RoboCop remake. We were just saying, I didn't, I haven't seen the RoboCop remake yet. Yeah, but you know what? Like, look, you talk about Mr. Mom.
3: Okay, mm-hmm. Box. I'm, I'm gonna throw your lifeline because people are saying like, hey, Mr. Mom. That's a chick flick. Fuck it. It's a good movie. But you know what? Another good movie is that's underrated, and it, it could be classified as a chick flick because it's basically about the women's movement. Yada, yada, yada. Don't. We're more than uh Don't treat me like a woman. They'll treat me, you know, it's like a China theme song. <laughs> but uh, nine to five, you saw nine to five, right? Dude, I have it. Yeah, I have it. Too. I, I I don't care what anybody no. says. Judge me if you want.
0: I love that freaking movie. Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton, Dabney Coleman. Dabney Coleman is gold. You talk about underrated. Good... That, that that dude is
3: gold. Is he, he, I
0: hope he's still around, uh, man, because he he's gold. He is, yeah. That that is a gr- a really and you're right that is one of the movies my mom used to watch and I remember sitting and watching yeah. it with her and yeah that is kind of Same. a chick flick but it's another one of those good 80s comedy and you yeah. get to look at Dolly Parton's tits come on and Lily Tomlin let's be honest like Lily Tomlin
3: like she came up like with Richard Pryor they did a lot of mm-hmm. stuff together and she's like she's hilarious like if you once again do your research if you really don't know about the woman cuz like obviously she's before
0: my time, and she might even be a few years before Boxer's time, because I think she's been out since, like, the late 60s. Yeah, late 60s, early 70s, yeah, she was. But I I remember a few things. Uh, The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Uh, She, uh, like you said, 9 to 5. She was in a few movies. And she shows up in TV shows today.
3: Yes. Yeah, they don't... I said I have to go off on another tangent here, but th- doesn't it seem like whether it's actors, actresses, comedians... They just don't make them like they used to. They don't build them to last. Because I mean, it's 2016, and we talk, we still talk about like Willie Tomlin or uh, Jane Fonda or Michael Keaton or Jackie Gleason or Lucille yeah. Ball. Like it don't yeah. seem like they're creating people
0: like the last. You know why? Anymore. Because everyone's too fucking sensitive. Everyone's too PC. How many comedians? You know, Opie and Jimmy. I know. I finally called it Opie and Jimmy. I've had conversations about this, how comedians just aren't the same, blah, blah. Do you know how many comics have had to apologize for a joke? A joke! No, I look at it. A joke! Comics should never have to apologize. You know why? Because they are entertainers.
3: Yes. And it's like, you're edgy, you're supposed to push buttons. I mean, just, just imagine, like, you know, I had this, I don't know if it was you or somebody, like, off air, but just the half of the shit that used to come out back in the day, like, put it to you like this, an iconic show, like, All in the Family, Yep, would be canceled two episodes in because they would get letters and complaints. It would be uh, all these different campaigns about, you can't have somebody on TV talking, like, what about the kids? What about the, fuck the kids, kids
0: probably 80 to 85% of TV shows from the, I'd say, late to early 70s to early and mid and late 90s would be thrown off the air right now. Seriously. Archie Bunker, you could not do a show like that anymore. You know what would? Like, I mean, you could get away with a show like Who's the boss? That's that. That's what people are looking for now. Yeah. Or or to take it back even
3: further, it's like the nineties kind of like if like the fifties um, and even the eighties were like a little too sanitized and white bread. The nineties, early two thousands, pushed things so far that people like, oh, maybe we got to pull this thing back a little bit. Yeah. We got we to gotta kind of like reel it back yeah. in. It's kind of like even WWE now. Like, they're on there. It's like they They spent the past decade apologizing for the three or four years of the attitude. And you know
0: what? B-Megs in the chat brings up Don Rickles, and he's been doing racist and sexist homophobic stuff. People sort of expect that from him. And you know, you, you take a guy like Sam Kinison who I brought up Wednesday night. I'm a
3: huge That's he was he said that that was a sad it was, case. And
0: I'm there. a huge Kinison fan. I don't wanna get into the whole thing, but he had a thing where he made fun of the gay community. And you know it's he didn't apologize. You know what Sam Kinison did? He brought it into his next fucking bit. That's what he did. He made more fun of them. Because that's what they did back then. Nowadays, he'd have to apologize and do that. Comics should never, 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 never have to apologize for a bad joke. An untasteful joke. Because it's nothing but a joke. And if you don't have a sense of humor, go fuck yourself. Take your fucking sensitive internet Typing, oh my god, I have to go on Facebook and complain ass. And literally, take out a dildo, fuck yourself wherever you can, and leave the comics alone. That's my rant on that. No, and, uh, and honestly, speaking of rants,
3: not even a rant. You know another guy who I miss who kind of like laid the groundwork? for uh, Laid the groundwork for uh, just speaking your mind? May he rest in peace, George frickin' Carlin, Oh. who taught us that even a rape joke could be funny. Honestly, there's no limits. Anything in life
0: can be Carlin. funny. And, 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 and that's what was funny about George Carlin. George Carlin didn't write... Was a genius. He's a genius. He didn't genius. write jokes. You have to realize that about George Carlin. He was not a joke writer. He was what... He was a very you know what, and i I, I don't know if I'm going to get shipped with this. He was a racy, edgy Seinfeld he did observational humor and Gallagher Gallagher did the same type of stuff. George Carlin was just better at you know being the dirty comic that people loved the honest guy. he just took real situations real people. And you know what he did that was so funny? He told the truth. Isn't it hilarious to tell to listen to a, a fucking guy tell the truth?
3: Yeah, and he just like I said, that's what that that the gene. Look, I put it to like this. Whether it come, when it comes to people like Carlin, George Carlin, and I put a uh, Seinfeld in that mm-hmm. same group, and even uh, another guy that people don't give enough credit to, Billy Crystal. Mhm. Part of the genius of their comedy and what they did was they didn't get on stage. They didn't tell jokes. They made observations. Bill Cosby, I mean, before he fell off the Mm -hmm. rails, look, he's not everybody's cup of tea. But if you stop and observe people and just how they interact and how they kind of go through their daily lives, that's what that's funny. I remember there was a Seinfeld episode about uh, they went to a mall. And they lost their fuck. They they forgot where they parked. And it was freaking hilarious because it was set up to where like you remember where we parked now. And this is before the days of cell phones and where you could take mm-hmm. a picture and all this shit. But it was like, it was like it was set up in in a way where it was like, oh, we parked on level H, section purple, to the right hand side. And they literally spent the whole episode. Trying to find a car because they were trying to make it to a like a function George's family was having. And long story short, they didn't make it. Yeah. Because typical Seinfeld, nothing ever works out for those characters because they're terrible human yeah, beings. Yeah,
0: exactly. And you know, another comic who was, in my opinion, about to really start breaking down more walls, and Weeb's brought him up a little while ago, Patrice O'Neill. Oh man, man please! I, you gonna have me crying and laughing Patrice at the same time. Patrice O'Neal was I, ready to, in my opinion, bust the fuck loose. Man, please! I mean, you know, you gonna have me
3: crying and laughing I at the know, same man. time. I, I,
0: look, I was a huge Patrice fan. He he was a, a a I'm not even gonna say a friend. He was part of the Opie and Anthony family back then.
3: Yeah, I mean, once, once again, I mean, and plus he just seemed like a genuinely yeah, good he dude.
0: Did. And he just, he, he, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, he had an actual show on Opie and Anthony's radio station, you know, XM station that, you know, he called Black Philip. If you've never heard some of these, go on YouTube. They are on there. His love advice was the mo- the funniest thing you've ever heard. The funniest <laughs> thing you've ever heard. If you've never heard it, like I said, go on YouTube. Just type in "Black Philip. because they were making him out yeah. to be the, you know, the the uh, the doctor, Doctor Phil of love. So just go look it up. You will laugh your ass off. You might even cry because, goddamn, he's so funny. Every now and then, I would be driving and literally tears from laughing so hard are coming down.
3: Now this is like a like, once again this is why I like doing the show we always have interesting yeah. debates
0: yeah and Cause it's like
3: I don't know maybe it's because I'm getting older and I'm I'm starting to look at things differently mm-hmm. but I, I grew up, like um I grew up a prior fan yeah. and at first you know when I, especially when you're a kid it was just the allure of the fact that he is a dude that's just cursing all oh, the time yeah. like fuck this fuck that and it, and it, that's what a, that's a that's what appealed to me as a kid I didn't necessarily understand what he was saying. At the time, I just understood that it was funny because every other word was fuck this, motherfuck that, kiss my ass. Especially, I think it was um, live on the Sunset Strip where some white dude, sorry the white dudes, you <laughs> came in late and he just put them on blast. Yeah. Damn, motherfuck- Yeah, my yeah. shit. Yeah, and you know,
0: um, goddamn, B-Megs brings up another guy who I, I told the story last week. I'm not going to say it again. Mitch Hedberg. He was another genius comedian who was just about ready to start blowing the fuck up on the comedy scene. And, you know, another sad story. He OD'd. Mitch Hedberg was not quiet about his love of drugs. So you kind of knew he was going to go early. But again, and, you know, but I mean, Patrice O'Neill was just one of those guys who. Was ready to blow the fuck up. I... Yeah. Man, I... L- let me try to say this nicely. Craig Robinson, I believe, took some roles that should have been Patrice O'Neal. Is that...
3: Are you trying to imply that Patrice O'Neill would have made Hot Tub Time Machine 1 and 2 infinitely more funny? Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I mean, and, and and again, it's not the knock, uh, knock of the, you know, because he's funny Absolutely. in his own rank, But it's just, it's just like a different type of humor, and like obviously, I, and 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 look, I'm gonna say it right now: if uh, Patrice O'Neal lives, you don't. It's like Kevin Hart. Who? I honestly think so, because cause I look at it like I look I look at a comedian, and this is not a black thing. Like I just look at versatility. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, every every comedian has, like, their standard set. But a guy like Patrice O'Neal, I could see him being able to flip it yeah. up. Like, if something was starting to get stale, he would change it up. He wouldn't, like, lean on the same jokes. Like, your mama's so funny. It, it wouldn't be, like, the same type of spiel. Like, Kevin Hart's spiel is pretty much redundant. Like, I'm the short dude. You know, got a wife. Beat me up. Like he, it's basically, like, the same regurgitated horse shit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: just, re, just repackaged. <laughs> Megs. Uh, Let me try to say this like Mitch Hedberg people say I don't care if they're white (laughs) black purple or green Hold on now. You got to draw the line somewhere To hell with purple people. They are the enemy. We will prevail (laughs) No, that kind of humor wouldn't fly today by the way B-Megs, you know why Somebody would get on the internet and trash it, and then that would get out, and then then he would have to apologize. Mitch Hedberg, number one, would never apologize, probably, because he wouldn't remember saying it, A. B, I don't think he would give a fuck enough. But, you know, back to the, you know, when we're talking about comics, which, you know, I, 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 Jesus Christ, we could do a fucking comic show one night. I love comics. You know, it's, it's, and you would mentioned Kevin Hart. I still think a Kevin Hart would have come by. You know, Patrice might have actually made Kevin Hart more popular faster. Because I got a feeling Patrice would have dissed the shit out of him and his comedy. That might have put him on the map even faster. But Kevin Hart, I, he was coming out no matter what. I don't think he could be stopped. I mean,
3: I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like, it's like I don't know. It's like, he's a funny guy, but it's just, it, I guess it just is. It's like, I guess it's like the uh, Eddie Murphy effect. Mm. You know, it's like when you're young and you're hungry. Yeah. And, and you, I mean, it's like, you kind of put everything out there on the line, but once you get to a point of being like, once you become the establishment, you kind of lose your, your desire to be yes. the best. And you see. Cause at some point I think, you know, Eddie just said, you know what? I'm rich. I got money. I'm established, I don't gotta work as hard anymore. No,
0: and you know what, he's kinda right, but I mean, he is hinting at a, uh, if you didn't hear uh, again, YouTube if you didn't hear Eddie Murphy last week on Jimmy Kimmel, was it Jimmy Kimmel? Oh, I missed it uh, so, you gotta fill me he in. Did a, he did a Tracy Morgan impression you know what, give me a minute, I'll play it, since we're still bullshitting we're only two hours in, we're fine
3: yeah, but uh, real quick. Um,
0: no,
3: go ahead. Why are you looking for that? No, go you ahead. You found it? No, I was saying, like, I, I had brought up prior earlier. In terms of comedy, do you appreciate guys that just get on stage and tell straight jokes, or do you en- enjoy guys more that kind of, like, lay it all out there? Because to me, part of the genius of prior, and I didn't really realize this until I got older and really started to listen and pay attention to what he was saying, part of what made him who he was and why he's the legend that he is is the fact that He was fearless. You couldn't talk bad about Richard Pryor because he already put it out there. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, he'd make fun of everything. And
3: and it's like he he basically took your bullets away and turned them on you. Yeah,
0: yeah, he basically did. Now, if you want to know what kind I like better, to be honest, I can get into both. I can listen to a guy like Mitch Hedberg for Mm B-Megs sit there and tell one-liners all night, observation jokes all night. But I can also get into a guy like Eddie Griffin who Ah, that's that's, I'm actually surprised that he dropped that one. There's another guy that's gotten a history. Dude, watch Dysfunctional Family. This guy sits there and doesn't tell jokes. He talks a funny way, a very funny way. And to me, I think that kind of comedy has more of an impact than just going out there and doing the one liners, the this, the that. Because he's he's not only is he telling jokes, but he's giving his life away. You know, I mean, Eddie, I mean, you know, if you watch that dysfunctional family, Eddie Griffin, his mother is in the audience as he's talking yeah. about his life, you know, and his yeah. not so great life. To be honest with you, yeah, you know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of both types of comedy. I can get into the, oh, he's just sitting there bullshitting, talking about his life. And I can get into the, you know, like I said, Mitch Hedberg, Rodney Dangerfield, one-liners. Oh, Rodney yeah. Dangerfield. There's no respect. Yeah, so completely, I, I'm a, I enjoy comics and comedy. I don't care what style you're doing. I can get into everything. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. Here, I got that trait. Let me get past the ad real fast. Hold on. Let me mute that real quick. But yeah, both bo- both kinds of comedy to me are impactful in their own way. But here you go. This is a minute, 13 seconds. I'll play the whole thing. Fuck it. Here we go.
1: Morgan told me that when he was in a car accident. What's up, Tracy? I love him too. That you were the first guy to make him laugh. You called him and, and made him
3: laugh. And he also told me, I thought this was interesting, you play a cook in in this film. Do you cook at at all at home? I'm not a good cook. Because Tracy told me that you, he went to your house and you made him, as he said over and over again to me, ballpark Franks. (laughs) He
1: said, I went over there he made me Franks, ballpark Franks. (laughs) That's it. That's why I'm going to always be cool with Eddie because he may be them friends. <laughs> and when I was young, they used to call me Fat Murphy. <laughs> That's when he told me that.
0: There you go. That's... But uh, he also hinted at a comeback to stand-up, which to me, I would love to see Eddie Murphy come back, see what he can do, if he can still hang. Stand-up has changed since Eddie Murphy did, you know, Delirious and Raw.
3: Yeah, and, and 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 that's like, man, and when you really think about it, he only did two stand-ups and you know, that's an interesting debate, like, you know, which is better, you know, Delirious or Raw because obviously Raw was the bigger commercial success because he by the 87 he was like a he was a yeah. god. But Delirious a lot of people say is like more funny just because even though he had did 48 hours, he was still kind of like want to rise and you still got that hunger where he was just putting it all out there. And plus, like you said, a lot has changed in terms of comedy, in terms of how you Mm -hmm. present yourself. But another thing that's changed that people forget about we talked about it early. We've been talking about it for the past couple weeks. Mm -hmm. People overly sensitive and overly PC. Half of the shit that Eddie said in those things back then were considered risque and controversial. Oh he would get raked over the coals if he did a show
0: and said a third. Yeah, absolutely. If he tried, like, like seriously. And I have both Raw and Delirious. They are they're both. Uh, I don't know if like the bit. Like look at the bit he did on Italians and a. Uh, hey, hey yo, no. Rocco. He like, pulls you, up you, in you his you know iRock Z. <laughs>
3: You'd have the Italian defamation yeah. lead. Oh, he's, ra- he's prejudiced against a guy. Oh, he get killed today. But
0: you know what? I don't think either one of those are better than the other. They both have big points about him. And, you know, B-Meg brings up another one who comes out and talks about his life and how it was. Chris Rock.
3: Oh, oh man, look, man, look, look. I can do a whole show on Chris Rock. Oh, I could, and, uh, too. I, I bring the pain. And Binger, and, to this day, bigger and, and blacker is one of the funniest that's one of my favorite stand-ups of all
0: freaking I, time. I have. It was
3: so hilarious. I ha- I've I, got know, both. So many lines. I have both,
0: way. bigger and blacker, and the uh, the other one you mentioned, bring bring, bring the, the pain. pain. I got them both um, too. And he mentions George Lopez. I got to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of George Lopez's comedy, um, and I'm also not a big. I like the show. <laughs> uh, I, I don't care for George, and I'm also not a fan of uh, Carlos Mencia. I've got nothing against Spanish comics, but. <laughs> don't I don't like when all you look. I've got the same problem with Dio Hughley. Does every joke have to be white and black? Really? Does every joke have to be white people do this, black people do this? No, it doesn't. And I think Dio Hughley makes a living off doing black people are like this, white people are like this. <laughs> Well, he's more politically minded these oh, days. I've <laughs> noticed. I've noticed. But I, I really, like when I watch, um, what is that? The Kings of Com uh, King Kings of Comedy. Yeah. I, I skip Deal Hughley. and Steve Harvey. To me, isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've kind. He's kind
3: of. He jumped the shark with me on yeah. all the time. I, I look at it like this. It's like. I equate it to you know I keep bringing a man up, uh, Bill Cosby. Like I, I, I've never personally thought mm-hmm. he was funny, but I've always felt like what, what where Bill shined, he shined um, when he was surrounded by people. Mm-hmm. Like another, and he 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 he's a better reactor. True. How like how he reacts to people and situations. That's what makes him funny. Yeah. I can't necess- I can't necessarily sit there and. Listen to a Bill Cosby comedy album or stand up back and go, <laughs> I won't sit there and laugh my ass because he's not that type of person to me. He He's more of a person that he's funny when he's like reacting to people, making faces or if he hears something insane or something stupid, he'll give you a
0: look. Which is why. Like he knows how he knows how to yeah, react. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, b Megs is bringing up um, Bill Hicks, if you've ever heard of him. Have you ever heard of Bill Hicks? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny he mentions Bill Hicks because a lot of people say Dennis Leary, who we've been talking about most of the night, stole a lot of Bill Hicks material and brought it out. And that's why he's famous. Um, we Will brings up Jim Norton, Nick comedian. Jim Norton is another great comedian who won't apologize for anything he says because he's a fucking comic. It's a joke. Yeah. Have a sense of humor or you shouldn't even be near a fucking computer. Where
3: do you stand on uh I'm going to throw out a few random names for you. Robin Harris. Oh. Going to I mean I, I you talk about one liners. That's a dude like he rest in peace. He died when mm-hmm. he was 36, man, but the few things that he did do cuz his uh bibli- you know, his uh his uh ID&B wouldn't be that long. No. He basically did. I mean, honestly, his two, his his most memorable roles was probably like a uh, house party, the mm-hmm. original one, and then um, before that, he did like a lot of spot appearances in spot like Spike Lee movies because Spike Lee loved them.
0: Yeah. He he
3: basically he basically would be the dude that would kind of come in, hit you with a couple one liners, bing, onto something else. He would come back to him a couple one liners, yep. zing. Come I back to
0: actually him. owned the Baby's Kids album. Ah, uh, Robin Harris was another.
3: I, I love he, fucking he Robin a, Harris, man. I'm still trying to, anybody, you know, this is a shout-out to anybody. I will be your friend <laughs> for life. I'm trying to find that documentary, We Don't Die, We Multiply. Oh, it was a Robin Harris documentary that came out a few years ago. Way. When
0: it comes to comedians, let me explain how, how diverse I am. I, 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 just in my quick comedy folder, just on my desktop, I've got Andrew Dice Clay, Bill Ingvall, Bill Hicks, Bobby Collins. I'm going old school uh wow. bobcat goldthwaite i'm going way old school uh they
3: i <laughs> i loved i, I, I mm-hmm. loved him in uh burton burglar he did a few movies with be goldberg and he did another movie mm-hmm. with a horse
0: he did he did um god damn i forget the movie uh chris rock and one of them we forgot to mention was roll with the new ah. uh i've got dana carvey I don't care what anybody says. I've got some Dane Cook in here. Some of his stuff is funny. Eddie Murphy, George Carlin, Jeff Foxworthy, Jim Norton. That's another guy's Jim Norton. Larry the Cable guy. I got a weird spot for him. Louis Black, Mitch Hedberg, Richard Jenny. Took his own life. Another great comedian. Uh, Robert Schimmel, Robin Harris, Rodney Carrington, Rodney Dangerfield, Sam Kinison, Stephen Lynch. Uh, If you don't know who Stephen Lynch is, he does a lot of parody songs, so check him out. Stephen Wright, uh, Weeble just brought him up. Stephen Wright's a good old Boston boy who does those one-liner observational-type humor, but very funny. You know Stephen Wright. If you've ever seen the movie Half-Baked, he's the weird guy on the couch. That is Stephen uh, yeah, Stephen Wright. You do know Stephen Wright? Everyone does. And I've got some jerky boys on here, but uh, oh, yeah. they were they were gold. If I could find that my old VHS, we
3: can review that one. Did, I, did mm-hmm. you see the movie? Those are those are two another two guys that you know in today's climate wouldn't be mm-hmm. able to work. They were They were
0: gold. No, Stephen Wright. His comedy is pretty tame. But there we go. We will brought a hot to trot. That was the Bobcat Goldthwaite movie. Yes, Bobcat Goldthwait. Me. I was actually it's funny. We brought that. I was thinking about he he does a whole thing in his comedy act about the um, the uh, S- Stallone porn movie. He does yeah. a whole thing in his act about that. But I have got an old album of his from the nineteen eighties called Meet Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let me ask you.
3: On that on that same note, with Bob, I mean, did you were you a fan of his shtick with the you know the weird voice and the screaming loud talking? It did
0: bother me. I, I everyone said live, it really got annoying because he would do it constantly live when he was in the character. But I mean, if anyone's ever seen him in, I mean, if you've watched Blow. That's him in blow who's testing the cocaine. That's Bobcat Goldthwait. That's not his real voice. I don't know if anyone really thinks it is, but yeah. Yeah, it was, from what I heard, it was annoying as hell live. It didn't bother me when he did it on stage, you know, listening to it or anything. I mean, I I think he's a funny guy. I I guess it
3: depends. Like, is is a difference between watching it in a movie for an hour and a half, and you can lower the volume and you can watch it at your own pace. You probably don't think about Mm -hmm. it too much. But I don't know. It probably would annoy me too if I'm in a fucking concert hall or whatever for an hour, two hours, listening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And there's one other comedian who I had on here. I didn't bring it up. Uh, He's another kind of Stephen. He was kind of the start of Stephen. His name is John Valby uh oh. he does a lot of funny 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 songs uh i remember getting a hold of his album back in the early 80s when i was young it was one of the ones my dad uh. took away from me and stuff like that you know but it was so obviously i wanted to listen to it more but dude i'm a huge comic fan we could literally i mean we basically just did half a fucking show on comics but
3: yeah, did you have like an ad? Did you used to have like album parties?
0: Oh no. No, I in didn't. In the old school uh prior Red Fox oh, albums. Red Fox. I'm glad you brought him up. Another fucking classic fucking. I I watched Harlem Nights this week, so I saw him. Oh, that yo, oh we, we will. That might have to be the, that, next week. That could be next week. You know what we probably should since we're talking about Eddie Murphy. We talked about Robin Harris. We you know what? Yes. Fuck it. Yes. Harlem Nights next week, guys. Yeah, Harlem Nights, it.
3: the only time that you literally, like, what well, you'll never be able to see that again, oh, no. where you have literally three generations of comics that came, they literally follow well, each other. You got more
0: than three generations of comics in there, if you think about it. You got Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, uh, Robin Harris is in that movie, Red Fox, oh, yeah, right, right, there's yeah, right. four right there, Um, it, uh, oh, God, who else, Taylor Reese. Uh, I'm sorry, Della Uh She's hilarious in that movie, and in any movie she's in, she's fucking great. But there's a lot of people in that movie, man. I mean, just a great... And we will talk... You know what? Next week, we will get completely into that goddamn movie. I That's, that's great. But, um, yeah, comedy is one of those things where... It was kind of the only thing I had when I was young... You know, dirty stuff. Yeah. Kinnison and Dice, when I was yeah. you know fourteen, fifteen, were in a comedy feud, oh. if you will. <laughs> so those guys—that's hilarious to, to it think was, about. That. Yeah. They were in.
3: whatever genre you're talking about, it's always like that competition. It was, but, Especially when you have like similar yeah, acts. But
0: those two right there really shaped comedy. You know. Definitely, Eddie Murphy was the original. I guess you could say if you know he he was the the guy who molded the clay for all these dirty comics. Richard Pryor really was, but Eddie Murphy
3: took. Oh, no, not, Honestly, I love Pryor, but you got to go a generation before Red you, Fox.
0: You do, but you know what? Eddie Murphy took it to a new level. Eddie Murphy had people sitting in movie theaters watching him do comedy. Red Fox didn't. Richard yeah. Pryor didn't. Eddie Murphy did. Eddie Murphy took comedy, stand up comedy, to a different level. And you've and you he only you did one thing. You <laughs> gotta give him credit for that. Delirious brought comics to a new level when it hit it. But you know, that brought up guys like Sam Kinnison, Andrew Dice Clay And that just set the fucking, you know, the the path for a bunch of more comedians. And no, I'm not saying those guys were the first Dirty Comics. You had way more Dirty Comics before that. But they ended up being some of the larger-than-life comics that had the exposure. Like I said, people were sitting in movie theaters watching Delirious. How many—no one had done that since Eddie Murphy. You know?
3: And nobody uh, I mean, And honestly, if you, no, if you think about wrong. it, after he did, Martin
0: Lawrence did it after Eddie Murphy.
3: That's what okay. I mean. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. You're so yeah, crazy. You're right. Yeah. Martin Lawrence was the only one after. And it didn't do as well as people thought it would. People didn't want to do that anymore. Look, man. The 80s was a weird time. People would go to the movies and watch a fucking comic. People would go watch movies like breaking and shit like that, dude. It was just that time. It was that yeah. time. It's why movies like Ferris Bueller and Mr. Mom got the fucking notoriety it did. It was just that time for those kind of things. But, you know, like I said, early, you know, I was 14, 15, and Kinison and, and Andrew Dice Clay were in this feud with each other. It was great for comedy at the time. So huge comedy fan, you know. Like I just, you know, I said earlier, and when we were talking about this, I don't care if you were doing this is my family. I'm going to make it funny or one-liners. Something I could click with, and you know, do that. And yeah, the Kinnison was unmarried with children. Kinnison was in movies. He was in Easy, uh, not Easy Money. Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Yes. He was a teacher. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, a lot of those guys were getting mainstream exposure back then, when it was yeah. hard. And uh, you know, since we, you know, two things I guess real
3: quick. Since we're on Kennison. uh, just to show you how big his popularity was, especially in the eighties, he was originally. Uh, it was almost set in stone that he was originally going to be Dan Connor on Roseanne. A lot uh-huh. of people forget about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, he had uh, kennison had albums out, not just comedy albums. He was singing. Everything. Yeah, <laughs> and I've got a ton. And if you're interested, there is a Sam Kinison box set coming out in the next couple of months. Uh Just jump on Facebook, follow Sam Kinison, and you will find that. But there is a huge thing of all Sam Kinison stuff. I've got a lot of his old stuff. I've got band uh, you know, the, yeah. I can't even find that on DVD or uh, on a torrent nowadays, but I have it. It's sitting in my garage on VHS. Yeah, but that's like, I guess in retrospect,
3: uh, I, you know, rest in peace, but that would, that probably would have been too much that day because they were too much alike character wise, him and Roseanne, because basically it would have been them yelling at each
0: other for two hour for a half hour. That might have been too eh, much. Sam Kennison could, could do what he had to do. You got to remember that's. Sam Kinison was a Pentecostal preacher before he became a, a dirty comic. Which
3: is, which still blows there my mind. There is <laughs> a, a,
0: audio of him preaching, and it's weird hearing Sam Kinnison do something like that. It is. It's very weird. I've got those – Um, I came home really – hammered one night and ordered those Sam Kinison DVDs that used to be on television and a lot uh-huh. of those are talk about his early days and a lot of the 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 comic the the comedy is from when he was sober and this may be the worst thing to say about someone but Sam Kinison was funnier on drugs than he was sober uh, horrible to say, but facts are facts. Um, he was he was a lot funnier. But let me see something here. Sam Kinnison.
3: Uh, while you're looking that up, since you brought up the whole, you know, he was a Pentecostal mm-hmm. preacher and it, it was bizarre. Let me ask you about this. On that same note, what are your thoughts on Bob Saget? Because he basically kind of patted not patterned himself, at the same Kinnison. But he basically was known as like the squeaky clean guy. I mean, like, damn, I mean, the first time I saw him do stand up comedy, I never saw him live, but first time I seen him outside of like Danny Tanner, it was like, it was bizarre to me because you, you literally thought after playing that role for eight, nine years, whatever it was, that that was him, that he was just like a squeaky clean guy and clean your room and, you know that father knows best type of thing. And dude. I
0: believe the first show he went on air and just said, "Excuse me for a minute, fuck shit, pussy, motherfucker, cunt." I believe it was the the Chris Rock show on HBO. Uh-huh. So back to Chris Rock one more time. Here, real quick. Here's a. Let me, I'm not sure what this is. 52 seconds of Sam Kinison preaching. Let me see what this is, real quick. <laughs> Here. here it is, real quick. This is Sam Kennison. Honestly, really, as a Pentecostal preacher, I think. Music. Jesus, hold on.
1: Through a lot of torment and a lot of oppression, because he lost a brother in a tragic way, and he's just going over his mind, and he's just living in such a guilt. And I said, let me tell you something, if this brother could tell you anything, he'd say, enjoy your life, don't worry about me, I'm being taken care of, if there's a burden here, it's for you!
0: Go from that, let me just backspace and hit Sam Kinnison here, let me find something short, so we can get a good, uh... I don't want to play anything too long, I'm not sure if kennison will get us kicked off the air, or the YouTube, or what, but... Here you go. I'll just play a little bit of this right here. Let me make sure there's no ads real quick. You go from that, what we just heard. Oh, Geico commercial Here's some advice. To... Give me about ten more seconds here. To... You know, uh, this is about homosexual necrophilia. (laughs) You know, so here we go.
1: I read the paper, they said that a group of homosexual necrophiliacs have been going around to mortuaries offering them money to let them come in at night and spend a couple hours undisturbed with the freshest male corpse. I wasn't trying to sell this as a fucking home game, alright? It's a story I read, folks.
0: Oh. I stop it. <laughs> Yeah, wait, wait, wait! wait, wait. I, I, oh, do you want to keep going a yeah, little bit? I, I can't even process. Oh, okay, what I just I'll heard. keep going then. Here,
1: Jesus Christ! Give me a chance to do some journalistic reporting here, will yeah. I felt the same way. I read this thing and went, oh, "Oh, Oh, thanks for the visual. Hey, I felt sorry for these corpses, man. I mean, you'd think death would be bad enough, wouldn't you? I mean, the, mo- the one thing that scares the shit out of everybody is death. You don't want to think about it. You don't joke about it. You put it out of your mind. But you figure if you faced it, that's it. What could be worse than fucking death? You figure, I got past death. I mean, you hated it, but at least you lived through it, you know? You got by it and all that shit. I about right with these corpses, because I know these guys were laying out on slabs. <laughs> They're in there going, well, well life was tough, and... Uh, that was pretty hard to live up to. But, uh, I have faced death, and I'm glad I went through it. And uh, well, I'm just I'm, now I'm ready to spend eternity in heaven and be with Jesus and Rock of Ages. Hey, hey, what's this shit? Oh, I don't believe this. There's a guy's dick in my ass. Oh, you mean life keeps fucking in the ass even after you're dead?
0: So you go from him preaching to what you just heard right there.
3: Uh- <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, I, I love it. I, you know, you know, this is a little bit uh deep, uh, not deep, but uh, it's kind of funny along those same yeah. lines. Since we're we're going to hell anyway, since we just talked about a Pentecostal mm-hmm. priester. and you went from that, we went from that to uh, him telling uh, necrophilia gay mm-hmm. jokes. Uh, I actually had a. Uh, I went to a Catholic school, basically. All the way from grade school to high school, and in high school we actually had a teacher he was a priest he was actually a brother i think he, i forgot his name forgive me but um he was a he was a of the religious variety and he was let's just say he was very blunt and honest about uh how he uh about his mm. lessons he smoked <laughs> And uh, he ba- he basically went on his tirade about you know you gotta protect yourself He's you know when you get in that pussy you, you gotta make sure you wrap your junk mm-hmm. up and this is I, it it it, it kind of like you're sitting in class and when you see the guy in the gimmick with the cloth and all this it, it, it's very jarring yeah here. yeah it is <laughs> it's kind of j- like imagine box seriously if you go to church mm-hmm. on Sunday you know you, you you got your suit on you got got on your Sunday Sunday best you got the wife you got the kids. And you go down, and you think you're going to hear a good service. You know, he's going to preach the word of God. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, he goes off into this rant about alcohol and sex and drugs and fuck this and motherfuckers. You would probably be caught off guard. Like, what the fuck did I just come into? Yeah.
0: I mean, I've only been to church
3: once, but yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, you know, toned. I mean, I'm I'm not judging. No big deal to me, personally. But I could only imagine if, like, if you're dealing with somebody that's super uber-religious.
0: They probably <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, know, you know? know, some of the chat room is saying, you know, Kinnison just wasn't their cup of tea. Kinnison was not and will not be everyone's cup of tea. Uh, it's It was a time for me where I was young. Let me put it this way this was when NWA and EZE were. Putting out albums, you know, dirty, nasty, really bad words, and it was just—I was fourteen, fifteen. It was the the rebellious thing to do, and listening to Kinison was kind of the same thing. You know, he was a dirty comic talking about Jesus Christ, talking about fucking homophobia, homophobic, uh, you know, homosexual necrophilia. I mean. You know, it, it was a different time for me, and this Kinison is another one where your age, being as he died April 10th, 1994, your age might have a lot to do with if you thought Sam Kinnison was funny or just a fucking tyrant of a person. Yeah, yeah. and plus, like I said, if you grew up,
3: it's like, in other words, like I said, you, grew, you experienced him I mean, in real time. I did. That goes a lot into it. You know, it's like, you know, it's no different than if, you know, wrestling fans or movie fans or whatever. It all comes down to your mm-hmm. timing and when you were born in life. It, there's a difference between experiencing Richard Pryor in real time and appreciating what he brought to the table and watching YouTube yep. clips. Because you, A person can watch YouTube clips and go, woohoo, he was funny, but I was fortunate enough to come up with people that experienced prior in real time and introduce me to him, like the movies, and and I grew to appreciate his art and his work because I, I, as I got older, just from watching it as a kid, I would research it on my own and go back and watch it and go, ah, I get it. I get why he was a big deal. I get why he made so much freaking money. But it, it, It's just one of those things, man. I look at it like And plus, like, I'll put it to you like this. To be a comedian, it takes balls. And and also, it takes a thick Mm -hmm. skin. Because people think that it's easy to get up in there and just sit up there and talk. It's really not.
0: Yeah.
3: And like, even Eddie Murphy said in the famous little spiel on Raw, he basically said, people call me obscene and vulgar, blah, blah. They think I just get up on stage and say, fuck you, suck my dick. (laughs) Good night, everybody. No, he said, I put some jokes in between them motherfuckers. he did. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't just get on stage and go, Hey, hey, everybody, fuck you, suck you, fuck you, suck my dick. Hey, good night. No. <laughs> That's the show that you can't, is this, there's some jokes in between. <laughs> yeah. Fuckers. Yeah. And, uh, if you're paying attention, like people just like, but they just like, yeah. again, once again, they just listen to the buzzwords. Oh, he mm. said, fuck, he said this, he said that they don't really pay attention to the meat. No. If you pay attention, there's jokes surrounded by the, the, oh, the language. Oh, yeah, and
0: Kinnison was honestly a comic genius. Kinnison, Kinnison had this bit, and it was a bit, it was obviously set up, where he would call a ex-girlfriend of a guy in the audience and scream at her on the phone and just let her have it. It was fucking great, man. And you know, I I I was talking to Shaheen last week about fucking Craig Gass doing the uh on Wednesday on the wrestling show on THD Wrestling Podcast about uh Craig Gass doing the Sam Kinnison and how creepy it is. It it really is creepy hearing him do it. But as usual Weebs brings up uh facts. He's spitting facts in the chat room. Um Sam Kinnison's brother, Bill Kinnison mentioned there were a couple movie deals in development when Sam Kinison did die. One was with Arnold Schwarzenegger, another with Rick Moranis at the time. So, God, Kinison and Schwarzenegger would have been amazing together. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't doubt if that Kinison role was Twins.
3: You think so? Well, well, well Twins came out, what, six, seven years before? He would have was still it? been alive today. When it? did Twins come out? It came out like in the 80s, like 87, 88. Really? Yeah. I thought it was later than so that. It, it would have been plenty of time for Kenison to do that. I thought that. it was later than that.
0: No. Let me see. Oh, yeah. Wow, you're right. I'm sorry about that. 1988. So I fucked up. I don't know what it could have been. I don't been. think, think what, it, what he would have... Schwarzenegger I don't know. came out with a movie. Let's see. It would have been after 1993.
3: Last Action Hero. He did um another movie... Um, it couldn't have been a racer. So that was too serious mm-hmm. for
0: Kenison. Yeah, definitely. Let me see. Around 93, 94. So let's go to... Let's go here. FYI, that's another underrated movie, by the yeah, way. Yeah, let's see. 93. He did True Lies in 93. 94, I'm sorry. I don't know. That was kind of over the top. You could have probably
3: squeezed Kenison in there somewhere. I have seen him
0: actually somewhere in Last Action Hero more than anything else. You think? Mm-hmm. And you know what? Ninety two What was Dave? I don't know. I haven't even seen that movie. It's got my name in it, I haven't fucking seen it. I probably could have seen him doing something in Last Action Hero. Hmm. Oh Dave, that that, that was one hmm. I think that was the president. Yeah, movie. I I don't think I saw that.
3: <laughs> was that with
0: Kevin Klein or hold on here?
3: I think it was kevin klein because he had that short kind of had like a a mohair yeah head, yeah it I, was kevin it.
0: Kline. I never saw this movie he was president i never saw this shit i never either
3: but i i have like a ridiculous knowledge of movies even if i haven't seen them yeah. i kind well, of well, know movies
0: <laughs> in it, so obscure facts. all right i say we uh i think it's probably time to end this shit before we get yeah, on yeah. too sad of a note here with uh jr might have been jr we will bring up jr might have been so all right man i say we uh i say we wrap this shit up let's get this done we've been on here long enough uh let's go here basically tht movie review uh itunes facebook youtube and twitter In the next week or two, in the next week, we should be on Stitcher. We're going to be on Google Play. We're going to be everywhere that uh, the other uh, wrestling podcast is. So stay tuned. And uh, that's about it, Anthony. What do you got? What do you got for the end?
3: Great show. We're (laughs) awesome.
0: Tell a friend. There you go. Uh, We have made the decision. We are going to go ahead and do Harlem Nights next week, Friday night, 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern. So tune in for that. And on that note, I guess we can go ahead and say good night and enjoy all the movies you watched this week. We will see you guys next month. Oh, Oh, what?
3: Well, we see him next week. I say we, end I know we normally go with the outro, but I say this week because Judgment Night, we talked about the soundtrack so fucking much. We end. We should end on that note.
0: Uh, you can't hear, but I am all ready playing Judgment Night by Biohazard and Onyx. There okay. you go.
3: See, that's why you. That's why you. That's, that's why you it? run the audio. That's why you run we, the production. It is
0: under us. You will hear it when you listen to the downloads. And on that note. We will see you guys next week, 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern, with Harlem Nights. And that's it, y'all. Later. Thanks for joining. We will see you next week.
1: Bye.